Welcome to Trove Talk, your weekly gaming and getting to know you podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey from trevortrove.com, and joining me f- this week for episode three, my friend and former Phoenician, Frank Bazzani. How you doing, Frank? I'm doing good. Made it through. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, for people who don't know you, before we get dive into it, uh, go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into the show proper. So do I just start with like a, I'm some idiot or should I just start at balls? You can you can start at balls if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just some idiot that goes around on people's other other people's podcasts and makes irrelevant jokes. Are you uh, you're doing stuff with uh, with Joe there now and doing some some stuff on something games now? Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Got so yeah, uh, on the table podcast also the fuckery cast. There you go. <laughs> Um, and at, on Twitter, you're at Irrelevant Jokes. Yep. Uh, ever identified by your profile pic of Kevin Coelho from Kind of Funny. Mm-hmm. That's the most accurate representation of me possible. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, so, cool. Uh, let's go ahead and dive right in. I, uh, I know you just got off work, so we'll, uh, we'll won't keep you more than I have to. Uh, so, uh, topic one, as always... Let me know your gaming history, buddy. How did you get into gaming and the journey that led you to where we are now? So, like, a lot of people I've heard to talk about this, and they always talk about, like, they remember the first time they, like, saw a game or, like, they're like, oh, yeah, I went to the store, and they, they were like, oh, these are games. And so, they're like, I picked them up. But for me, it was just, like, they they were just kind of, like, given to me. Like, okay. I think it was a popular thing with my parents where they're like, this is popular with kids because, like, my parents don't know technology, like, whatsoever. But they, I got a GameCube when I was like, that, that was that's your first system. God, I'm old. It was the it was the first one I owned. But the first, like, I grew up playing like Super Nintendo and like N64. Okay, that's because my my sister, my both my sisters, my one sister had an NES, my other sister had a Super Nintendo, and my aunt had like an N64. And so I think it was just this thing with, like, my parents where they were like, oh, that's, like, a kid thing is you buy, like, a Nintendo system. So when the GameCube came out, they were like, all right, this is, like, you're going to be your thing. And that was their, like, $10,000 mistake because it was just investment <laughs> after investment after that. Yeah, that's, I, it, is a, it is an expensive hobby for us. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And, uh, so, like, what are some of those early, early gaming, early specific games that you, you recall kind of diving into? So the first game I got with that, since it was like a launch system, was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Nice. And I definitely, that's like a definitive memory for me of like, it was Christmas morning, I got the GameCube, I also got like a 12-inch like TV, you know the combo, like TV, VCRs on the bottom? Oh yeah, yeah. And I got one of those, and it was like my dad like reading the instructions, trying to figure out how to put the GameCube together with that, and then just playing Tony Hawk, and then you have that moment after like hours of playing Tony Hawk where you were like... Oh, what's a memory card? <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't have that that experience with Tony Hawk, but yes, I had that experience with with other games. Yeah, because I just remember like you turned it off and you came back to it later, and just everything was gone, yeah. and you were just like, and then uh, the night, so then that's why then like the, immediately the next day, my mom had to go to Best Buy and buy a memory card, and that's when I got my second game for the GameCube, which was Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Two. Nice. Because, you know, while, like, other people are playing Luigi's Mansion, I just had, like, these gems. Yeah, no, I, I like, I came to the GameCube late myself, so uh, Luigi Man- Luigi's Mansion is one of those that I never played. Um, mm. I mean, I also didn't play 
uh, Need for Speed or uh, uh, Tony Hawk. So I missed all of all of those gems. Uh, that was what was that like Double Dash and um, uh, like Paper Mario and the uh, Thousand Year Door. Those are definitely like my standout GameCube memories. So it's like. Those actually, the Tony Hawk and Need for Speed kind of got me hooked, though, because after that, like, I had this weird, like, collector mentality when I was younger, where, like, I'm like, I had one Tony Hawk game, I'm like, I need all the Tony Hawk games. So I continued to play Tony Hawk for, like, the next 10 years, and especially because I really like them. And then the same thing with, like, Need for Speed. Like, I have, like, so from Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit 2, until you jumped, like, 360, I have, like, every one. Nice. And I played them all, and that's why Most Wanted is the best one for the GameCube. And I will, I will, I will die on that hill. <laughs> all right. Um, and uh, uh, remind me, jumping ahead, uh, did you play uh, this year's Tony Hawk at all? I didn't. Like I was, I, I wanted to, and I just, I knew it was going to be bad. And after I saw people playing it, and it's just like broken, and people like flying off into space and like falling through maps and stuff. And I'm just like, ah, Tony Hawk, what happened to you? <laughs> I mean, he got it's old. Same, I did the same thing with uh, Tony Hawk Ride, too. Like, I, I was that guy that I was such a Tony Hawk fan that when they were like, we're adding the skateboard, you're actually going to skateboard. I was like, yes. And I was like, we're doing it. The future. <laughs> and how'd that go for you? Oh, it did not go well. I remember being, I actively remember watching the review for Tony Hawk Ride on X-Play and then being like, this game is terrible. It's like a three-hour game, and the controller doesn't work. <laughs> Did you ever play, um, like, in the arcades, they had that, that skateboarding game that had, like the, like, the board that you would hop on and grind down? Like, that's, that's definitely, like, a, def- a definitive arcade memory of mine. Mm. Uh, Pre-Tony Hawk ride was that game. I, like, I remember what it's called, but... Remember having the handrails there on the sides, so you like so an idiot like me who couldn't actually skate or anything um, <laughs> wouldn't like break myself when I tried to shift my weight on the thing. Uh, had you ever played that one? I never did, but it actually sounds familiar. Okay, but um, I actually I did pick up the skateboard and actually go outside though. I learned how to skateboard because I was such a Tony Hawk fan. Nice. And it was I, it was not realistic to the game whatsoever. No, I imagine I imagine it's a little trickier to to do an ollie than as opposed to just hitting a button or two. And you can't <laughs> just hold down Y to grind; like it just doesn't work. Ugh. Shame. So, how old were you when uh, when this was all happening? Like where um, in where in little Frank Bazzani's life was this? So I got the GameCube at launch. So I was probably like five, I think, that Christmas when it came out. Okay. And then the rest of the through the generation. By the time I was still played GameCube up until like three years ago, just because I was a GameCube fan. Mm-hmm. And I like I had this thing a couple years ago too, where I went back and revisited a bunch of GameCube games. I bought games I missed. Like I played Luigi's Mansion for the first time like four years ago. Okay. And you know it's not it's not as bad as people say it was, but I understand that like being a launch game, the disappointment, and it's like it's not it's no Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, like Super Mario Sunshine is the other big one from that's like a big black hole in my uh, in my gaming repertoire. It's because I just I it was I came so late to that system that I it just wasn't in my uh, my radar. Has that is, is that one you played? Oh yeah, yeah, I, I've had yeah. that since it came out, and like yeah. I loved it. And it's funny too, it's like I've never beaten it because it's like it's actually to me it's kind of hard. But I'm not great at platformers. Mm-hmm. But I love that game, and I love Wind Waker, too. Like, Wind Waker's another one that I've had since it came out, and yeah. I've never beaten it. 
That's uh, yeah. Okay, I do remember. I had Wind Waker, and I had like the special promo disc that had like the NES Zeldas, and it had Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on it. Um, I definitely remember like using that, and going back and playing that on GameCube, and all like re- revisiting all those games. Still never could get into Majora's Mask, but oh well. I never, right. I never played it. Any other? I do. Oh yeah. I do have the same. I do have the same promotional disc though. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other big fun GameCube gems of your uh, uh, past? I have a few gems of like really weird games I'm playing. I've beaten the uh, a series of unfortunate events GameCube game, and I've never read those books or seen the movie, but I've beaten that game. <laughs> and the the the. Were you one of the ones that was tweeting about it yesterday with the uh, when the or a couple of days ago when the Netflix trailer like popped up online? Because I saw some people talking about that game, uh, yeah. which I had never known was a thing. Um, so okay, so you played you, you played that game, but not read or experienced the books. Uh, I have like five different stories like that. Because another thing my parents did is my parents don't play games. So when they would buy me games, they'd be like, I don't know, these these licensed games, I un- I recognize these for movie posters. Let's mm-hmm. get these, because these must be great. Yeah, that's that's how it works. So yeah, I had that. I had the Series of Unfortunate Events game. I had the Madagascar game. I had, I had the Shrek 2 game, because my sister really wanted it, and I remember playing that co-op with her. Nice. Very cool. Um, so where do we go from where do we go from GameCube? So then after GameCube, I got a PS2. And I got a PS2 when the Slim was out, and I honestly think the PS3 was like about to come out. Okay. Like like I was on the GameCube train for a really long time until I kind of like I started noticing in lots of game commercials and stuff that like they games weren't coming to GameCube that I wanted to play. <laughs> like Need for Speed and Tony Hawk and stuff started like having like PS2 Xbox exclusives. So that's when I was like, I gotta get a PS2, I guess. Okay. When did you uh, like? When did you start? Um, you mentioned like uh, seeing some of that in like commercials and stuff. Did you? Is that kind of when you started getting a broader sense of the the industry um, and the the whole spectrum of gaming, or were you just still kind of doing whatever? Like you you took whatever you had at you. I mean, you are you, are you one of the uh, like? I I know we've talked about it. Or, uh, you did EGM and stuff growing up, right? I had Game Informer. Yeah, Game Informer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because that was a that's a like I I came very late to learn like I had a Nintendo Power magazine for years and years, but that was pretty much all I had in terms of like my media until the internet came uh, came around. So when like when did you start getting with Game Informer then? Uh, I think I started getting Game Informer around that time of the PS2. I think I had it my maybe before I got the PS2. But I definitely, like, I would read it, and that's how I was, like, I was keeping up with, like, what games were coming out or, like, what looked cool. And I still have, like, a giant stack of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, I like, it's weird to say, like, how involved in the industry I am now. It wasn't like that until, like, a few years ago. So, like, I honestly feel like I was in, like, you don't realize you're in the dark until you're not in the dark anymore. <laughs> that's, that's very true, yeah. <coughs> so, yeah, I would, like, I would just read Game Informer, and I'd be like, oh, man, Kingdom Hearts 2, that's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, so PS2, you got it pretty late in the in the cycle. What kind of games did you dive into there, and and what was the like? Do you remember what the experience of jumping from the GameCube to PlayStation was? Uh, kind of like it wasn't to me like it wasn't like a huge like blow away thing, but it was definitely. I feel like there was a lot more adult games that I was suddenly playing because my parents didn't care if it was M rated or not. 
So when I went to go get this PS2, and part of the advantage of getting it later is it was so cheap that I got the PS2, I got like an extra controller, I had like the memory card, and I got like a giant stack of games, and it was probably like less than like the PS2 launch price was. Well, but I, I pretty cool. I mean, vaguely, and uh, so I I remember getting I got like I got at least GTA San Andreas when okay. I got it because I remember playing that the night. And I also, another memory of mine is not understanding that, like, you have to, like, you had to, like, hold down the little power button on the PS2 to turn it off, or it would just restart if you just, like, hit it. So my game just kept restarting, and I couldn't understand how to turn the PS2 off. Okay. That's yeah. a, that, that happened. And then I don't remember a lot of the other launch games, but I think I got multiple GTAs. That's, I mean, yeah, San Andreas was, I remember that being, like, 2003, I think. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, um... Uh, like talking to friends about that, like my first semester or two of of college, because, um, yep, apparently because you're what you're twenty, yeah, yeah, that's okay, yeah. So so you're a, a decade behind me, so that's that's about right. You were you were in like elementary school back then, yeah, yeah, two thousand three, <laughs> um, yeah, and that, but I, I mean San Andreas is definitely a. Uh, an interest, a good one to jump into when you're like, what? Uh, what would that be? Like nine, ten? I, I was probably like eight or nine. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, so so with the adult fare of games, you're getting to experience those more when you are eight or nine. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? How, how, how do you think that affected you and who you are now? <laughs> I mean, honestly, probably not as much as, like, a lot of people think that people are all about, like, oh, like, violent video games will make you crazy. But, like, honestly, all I used to do in Grand Theft Auto, like, I've never beaten... The first Grand Theft Auto I ever beat was Grand Theft Auto V. Because I would just turn it on, and I would just run around and, like, jump cars into buildings and stuff. Or, like... And that's why, like, Vice City was my favorite. And I think it's just because I like the world so much. Yeah. Vice City. And, uh... That's that's probably my favorite of the, the, the GTA 3 trilogy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely my favorite of that one. And then, like, San Andreas was super cool because I remember it was kind of that thing of I remember playing Vice City and, like, if you go in the water, you'll die. But, like, in San Andreas, they added swimming. And I remember, like, that was a big deal. Yeah. That was, oh, my God. CJ can swim? This is crazy. Yeah. Very cool. Um, sorry, were you going to say something? No, I, was just, I, just, I also distinctly remember, too, I got a driver game, one okay. of those gems on PS2. And I remember playing it with my friends at the time and being like, because you start off the game as whoever the main character driver is, you start off in their house. And I remember like we would, I remember distinctly for like an hour walking around the house and like shooting things. And like, you would see like, like you shot a plate and like the plate would break. And I just remember being like, this is such a big deal. And you like go out in the car and he has this, or you go out in the garage and he has this like Mustang. And you're like, this is the coolest. And I played it like five years ago and it's, everything's just rectangles. (laughs) <laughs> very cool um you mentioned uh uh something and it got me thinking uh uh like did you have friends that were playing video games with you or was video games kind of uh, still a solitary experience or were you playing with uh with family or anything i mean not your parents necessarily but like yeah. uh, your sister or something yeah so and like i have two i have two sisters and we used to play games together a little bit it's like mostly when i could convince them to like play with me because it was mostly, like, a solitary experience. And because, like, I had, like, the people I was friends with and, like, the neighborhood kids, well, like, they liked to play games, but they weren't allowed to play, like, San Andreas and stuff. 
Mm -hmm. And I also, they were also, they had the thing that was like, oh, finish your homework and you can play like an hour a week where my parents were like, I don't care, do whatever you want. (laughs) So like, I was just putting in so much time and like reading Game Informer and stuff. But like, oh yeah, I would like, I was so like, it was like, it was like, it was like 90, 10. And like, if I was playing alone or playing with people. Okay. I mean, yeah, it sounds, sounds about right for like that age and and whatnot. Um, Yeah. And the, the experience, I mean, especially if like, yeah, you're, if you're playing GTA, because uh, this is also now when all of like the co- the hot coffee stuff is blowing up and parents are paying more attention to what their kids are playing. So uh, yeah, it would make sense that like some, some parents might not let their kids sit down and, and play that game. Um, okay. Uh, so what, like where, where else, where do we go from there? Where, uh, uh, like other other PS2, are you doing anything else around this time as well? This is also when Xbox is is starting to break out. So I never had an original Xbox, but the same thing I was playing at the time of the GameCube and the PS2 was like the Game Boy. Yeah, I had was, one of those. Was, and my Game Boy, into that. my Game Boy was basically like a Pokemon system for me. Like yeah. I, I have like ten Game Boy games, and like eight of them are Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> nice and that was definitely like what i put and like a sp- specifically pokemon emerald on the sp i put like 300 hours into and it was like the first time i caught them all okay and i remember like i, I was the first one out of like my friends playing uh pokemon that like i beat the elite four and it was like a big deal like i be- i was basically the f- first one to beat the game and Very i just cool. and i like i beat the elite four four other people by transferring, like, I would transfer trade my Pokemon into their game, and then I would just beat the Elite Four for them. And because you, uh, tell tell the story, I remember uh, one of the first times we were talking about it, like, tell the story of how you play Pokemon, if you if you don't mind. So, uh, when I was younger and I used to play Pokemon, I always used to just use my starter and no other Pokemon, because they were always first in my party, so I would just send them out, and usually I would use Water Pokemon, but in Emerald I had Fire, so I had Blaziken. And I would just send them out, and by the but then because when you're only using one Pokemon, you get so overpowered that like I was I got to level 100 like before the Elite Four, yeah. <laughs> so like you just like one, and then like then then the the difference between that is like you go one level down to like whatever I could catch, it's like 60. Mm-hmm. So it's like my level 100 plays again, and then it's like a 60 whatever, and then it's like 50, 40, 30 whatever like whatever I needed to fill out the party. And then it was just like, just plowing my way through the game using one Pokemon. And if it died, you just revived or you were fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, like, I, as somebody who, who played every Pokemon game with like a well-balanced team and like I would level up and then I would take like Pokemon that, that I didn't need anymore and I would like drop them, them off to the side. Like uh, Cam talked about it a little bit on, uh, on last week's show as well. Where he had like his powerhouse, and then he had like the rest of the Pokemon were just the HM machines, and I was like, "That's I, I like I I was the inverse where I had like everybody, and then I had the one Pokemon that I could I would throw all the HMs on as I could, um, to to get cut and fly and and surf or whatever like out of the way, so I wasn't um, you know wasting wasting that slot more than I had to." Um, so yeah, it's like I I just never thought of doing the oh I could just get one guy really really strong, which is weird because I grew up playing like grindy games where I would like 
sit in a in a place and just level up for hours and hours and hours playing like Final Fantasy VI, um, uh, just so that like all of my characters when I went to fight Kefka at the end are like level ninety or a hundred and have all the spells. Um, so, so yeah, I just never thought to do that with Pokemon, I guess. The other thing about my Blaziken too is like it had very high level moves. Like I think it has like it had like uh, whatever the fire moves were, like fire, spin, or I remember though like it still had Ember, and it it had double kick. I think it was like fire blast or whatever, another fire move, and then it still had Ember, like which is like the first fire move that it learns. And it's because I kept the low level attack on there for when you have to beat Pokemon that are like forty, because mm-hmm. it's like a one hit kill. Yeah, and I remember people were like, "Your level one hundred Blaziken still has Ember as a move." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, what like what else did you have on? Uh, uh, you, you say it was mostly a Pokemon system, but what other handheld like experiences did you have there? I had like Super Mario Advanced, whatever, whatever the Super Mario Brothers three port was. Okay, and that's how I originally played that game. And then I also had like whatever the Super Metroid port was. Okay. Okay. Or it was a Metroid. I, I'm pretty sure it was like Super Metroid, but it was a Metroid. Yeah. And then that was like basically it. I had the I had like a I had a couple other like shovelwary things. Like I had some Yu-Gi-Oh games that weren't good, and like I had a uh, I had um what was oh I had the Rocket Power game that like okay. is that's like unplayable. <laughs> is this uh, so? Now I mean, you're mentioning Emerald, which was Game Boy Advance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have the original Game Boy, or did you come in at, at like Game Boy Advance, Game Boy SP era? Yeah, that's that's where I came in. I, the, my original one was the purple Game Boy Advance. That was like okay. the oval, and then I eventually went on to the SP, the clamshell. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I think I still have mine, like right over there somewhere off uh, somewhere off camera. <laughs> um, yeah, my like I because I had the white um, uh, the white like oval one and then um the i think a black sp the black clamshell um for that generation but yeah i was i was the same or i like i had i had a handful of other game boy uh like game boy game boy advanced handheld games but it was mostly like pokemon every every pokemon game even like like even when i got to the point where like it was just me playing them, I would still get both games, and I would have like I would trade from the oval to the clamshell, and and use both systems to to trade with myself, uh, to to get like to catch them all. Though I don't think I mean like you say you caught them all. I'm pretty sure I never did. I'm pretty sure I never had the patience to actually go through and do that. Even like back when it was just 150, I was like, ah, it, it's I just want to play another game. <laughs> so I would like I would beat the elite four, and then I would start over, and of course that wipes your save and all your other pokemon so i was like well i was dumb i don't have any of that anymore oh well so i had, uh, uh, oh, I had both i had both fire red and leaf green and well actually i had basically i would get both and it was but i wouldn't trade between them because i didn't have two game boys i would just kind of play both versions uh-huh. and but i specifically remember going to the store with my mom and i couldn't decide between fire red and fire red and leaf green and she was like i'm just gonna fucking buy both because i don't want to be in the store anymore (laughs) (laughs) nice i was a very indecisive child that's fair um so did uh so we've covered early console early handheld stuff did you play did you ever play pc 
at this time? No, you ha you didn't, or or if you did, that's right. Like you've you've played three PC games in your in your life. Is that am I remembering that correctly? Yep. <laughs> okay. Which, uh, which, so it was what, Sims. Was that one of them? Uh, um, I have played The Sims, but I don't think I played it on PC. I think it was like a console okay. port. Okay. But that would make sense that that was one of them. That's like in the wheelhouse. Okay. So what? So what were your three? Um, and we'll uh, so we'll like I know one of them is a more recent title, but we'll so we'll jump back. But uh, <laughs> what were your three PC games? It was a uh, Oregon Trail. <laughs> okay. Uh, Stardew Valley. And then I once did a demo of Rise of the Tomb Raider. A demo of Rise of the Tomb Raider. Mm. Okay. On well, that's when did that like you did you just do that last year on on PC? Like when no, it was at, it, when we, it was when we were at Pack South. No one oh, was at the right. demo. No one was at the demo for Tomb Raider, so I just started <laughs> playing it, and that was the first PC game I had played in like a decade. That's right. Okay. and then yeah, Stardew Valley was right after that. Okay. Yep. Um, so Stardew Valley reminds me uh, one of the the things we we have bonded over is uh is like the harvest moon of of your uh correct i'm not i'm not mistaking that right you were um, a little moon. bit a little bit i wasn't like i wasn't as big into harvest moon as like you were but i did have one or two of them uh -huh. and i would i would play them i definitely i had the one on gamecube that had like you would collect music and stuff it was kind of right. like it was kind of like chibi save yeah save the homeland that was the okay. uh, or no I, save the homeland was was the ps2 one what was the like? I have the I have the GameCube one again. It's like right over there next to my Game Boy Advance, right off screen. Um, it's a Wonderful Life or something like that, maybe something like that. But yeah, the it was it was one of those like it was more taking advantage of the three so you're running around the farm, the the like pseudo open worldy farm in a in a three D space. Okay. But I also I was a huge Animal Crossing fan too, though that was there my game. I put hours and hours and hours and hours. And like where you're talking about Pokemon, where you just start over. Eventually, I'd get to a point where you just get, Animal Crossing just kind of gets kind of boring mm -hmm. when you like run out of stuff to do. So I would like I would just start towns like over and over and over again. Yeah, and like that's and then that's another game I play with like my sisters. Like I remember the original Animal Crossing town since they had the four houses and like the each of us had like a house. And then I was just like, and then I was, since I was the one that played games, I would was the one that would like pay off the house and like have like, I saw I had like a three story house when they just had their original like one bedroom. Nice. I didn't even like, I, I played the original Animal Crossing, but definitely did not get like that into it. Mm. Like I, I remember like collecting some of the things and getting like the little NES so you could like play the, the, like the emulated games within and play like the the old Nintendo games that they like packed in the game. But yeah, I definitely never dealt with, uh, with Tom Nook any more than that really. <laughs> well, it was just like the mentality between me and my sisters where they're like, Oh, this is like a fun game where you just kind of like collect fish and it's not stressful. And I'm like, I need to beat this game. And I'm like, I need to pay this house off. I need to collect all the furniture. And I was like, and I still distinctly, the last town we did is the first, it was the last town that I have is the first one I ever actually paid the house off on. I remember what a big deal that was because they give you they like erect a statue of your character next to the train station. Nice. And I was like, yes. And then I like and I remember it was a big deal too because I like I completed the furniture sets and I got all the Nintendos too. Uh -huh. Like so like my basement in that game is like an arcade and then the middle levels like cabana furniture. So it's like kind of like wicker furniture like you'd get on like an island and then the attic which was supposed to be like my bedroom has the modern furniture which is like checkerboard stuff. 
You, could you tell I put a lot of hours into this game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, far, far more than I did, yeah. It's, it yeah. sounds about right. All right, um, so uh, moving on to maybe the next generation then. Um, yeah. the, the, so that's we're now at PS3, Xbox 360 era, mm-hmm. uh, and the Wii, which you ha- vehemently hate the Wii, right? Am I... I mean, uh, not. I mean, I vehemently hate the Wii U. Oh, the Wii U. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Then we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, it's this is fun because I like I've heard. I mean, like one of the first times we met, and we'll we'll dive into this more later. But yeah, one of the first times we met, we just hung out at the airport, and he told me kind of a lot of your like gaming history. Um, so I knew when uh, when I asked you to be on, I was like, oh, I'm gonna like I'm gonna know a lot of this stuff, so I can kind of like ask the leading questions, and that'll be fun. Um, uh, okay, so so PS3, Xbox 360, the Wii. Where uh, where were you at in that in that kind of era? So I think it was about 2007. It might have been 06. But I'm pretty sure it was 07. Halo 3 had just come out, mm-hmm. and I got the 360, and like I jumped ship from PlayStation, and I was like, and especially jumped ship from Nintendo. Like I can't even imagine if I had gotten a Wii as like my primary next gen console. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like, and then we went to 360, and it was because basically, like, I played 360 at a friend's house. We played Halo 3, and I just remember being like, "This is cool," and I'd be like, "I like, I want to get this," and so I got that. And the light like, came with oh, I also Guitar Hero was another one because my my best friend at the time got a 360, and he had Guitar Hero 3, and so I was like, "This is amazing." I was like, "I need this," and uh, I got because I asked my parents, like, "I want a 360, I want Guitar Hero 3," and what did I get? I got Guitar Hero 2. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got so that's you got to wrap out to uh, carry on my wayward son, right? That oh was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I did. I I remember that set list fairly well because that was another thing of like sometimes on Christmas, like I would that was like one of the times I'd play games with like my family and like that was like my dad's played Guitar Hero and like mm-hmm. my sisters played Guitar Hero because it was like I got Guitar Hero too, so I was like, all right, let's play this and work our way through the set list. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that was. I remember for that one, um, like I didn't. Like I never got any of the Guitar Hero games myself, but my sister and uh, and her boyfriend at the time, now husband, um, they like had it, and uh, and so I borrowed, like, I borrowed Guitar Hero two, and uh, and one of their peripherals from them to play it, and like yeah, I remember like I remember, um, I think actually my first introduction of it was like the South Park episode, so I remember like them getting super excited about guitar hero like kyle and stan and them uh and then playing carry on my wayward son and mm-hmm. i was like oh i want to play that and so yeah I, I was like hey jamie like can i borrow can i borrow your copy of of guitar hero and and uh and yep did that and then like had a good like week or two with that but i definitely like skipped out on the playing it with other people kind of experience for the most part so yeah and that was one of my last like collection or, or like completionist things too is like that was one of the final ones because i have like a million of the guitar heroes and it was mm-hmm. fun and it was like oh we'll get it and like we'll play together but i remember that was like one of the last things that and madden were like one of the last things where i was like i need this every year to just keep putting it in the collection <laughs> <laughs> all right um so 360 what else do you playing on the 360 how, like halo you jumped in with halo 3 how did that like had you like played Halo with friends um, on like Halo or Halo Two before, or did you just kind of jump in with three and just kind of go from there? 
Three is where I jumped in playing it at Friends for the first time. And then when I asked for Halo 3, since that was still like a new $60 game, I got Halo 1 for my sister, and which I'm actually more thankful for because Halo 1's a way better game than Halo 3. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, so that's played, I, have, I finally played through Halo 1 and 2 last year mm-hmm. and uh, in, the, in the Master Chief collection. And I was like, nope, I'm done. That's like, <laughs> these are like, one was a pain. Two was better, but like still didn't wow me or anything. So I was like, eh, I think I'm just gonna switch and play other things again. And that's why, like, I'm not a Halo guy. This was definitely like my Halo period, mm-hmm. and it's just like I liked. I do kind of like Halo One though. I understand if it's a pain though, because I distinctly remember like warthogs getting caught in places and like characters not moving when they should. Like you know, normal 2002 game stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but like, I was like, I definitely liked it. And so then eventually about like, I think it was somewhere within the first year of me getting the 360. I remember like the, the kind of the games I got, I got a Viva Pinata game at one point, okay. which is like, cause I wanted like some of my friends really liked the Viva Pinata game. And, but the one I got when I told my sister to pick it up, she got the Viva Pinata, like Mario party knockoff, Okay, which I, I still have. I also, I got army of two. Which uh, actually isn't that bad of a game. Like it's not amazing, but it's not that bad. And then, and then eventually, I think we eventually work our way to Halo. And the other game I played with my best friend all the time, which was WWE, like Two K Seventeen or Seven or whatever the hell it was. Okay. And Two K Seventeen. Wow, you were way ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just like a, a time traveler. <laughs> so Two uh, K. Okay. Um, were you uh, just uh, as uh, it was? Cameron's topic last week were you a big wrestling fan uh kind of growing up a little bit like I think it was kind of cursory because my best friend at the time was a huge wrestling fan okay and so I definitely remember like we would watch it sometimes or like and that's when we would play it was it was actually I think it was Smackdown versus Raw or whatever Mm -hmm. the like 2007 which was that game and I remember playing it and it was just like it's just fun and especially like I think there's something fun to like if you don't know how to play games because like me just like mashing buttons while he's actually trying and like i did some kind of move and i remember being like oh you did that move and i'm like i don't know what that means <laughs> and it's just like it's just fun and then like but playing that game solo is not as fun it's yeah. not yeah those yeah I remember, like i as someone who did play like a handful of the wrestling games back when i was in the into wrestling um i like played the n64 ones i played with friends um uh in like middle school uh, but then, like, when we got to, like, PlayStation, the first PlayStation, I would play those more solo. And it was, like, it was fun because you're kind of leading your character through, like, the career the career mode and kind of getting the, the storylines that, like, other characters were getting on the show. Um, so that was neat. But as I, as I drifted away from it, it was definitely, like, I have no idea what, what any of this is. <laughs> so, oops. Uh, yeah. I, I, so as somebody not following it, it makes sense that, yeah, it would be less uh, less engaging, I imagine. That's the only wrestling game I've ever owned. And mm-hmm. my two favorite parts were you could customize, like, the dressing room for your uh, guy. And you could put, like, a pool table or, like, a motorcycle mm-hmm. and stuff. And then the other thing you could do, too, is you could you you got to pick the storylines, like, for the characters. And it was so funny to me that, like, you would go to a list and it's, like, divorce. And it's, like, <laughs> like house arrest or, like... <laughs> plant drugs on someone and i'm just like this is a game like you just get to pick what happens to these people and some of those cutscenes were great like i yeah. remember there were like cutscenes of like wrestlers like in the parking lot and, like somebody would pull up and like hit them in a car or like mm-hmm. somebody would like mace someone in the face and like 
That game definitely had a lot going for it. Yep. Oh, I remember I remember that era of wrestling. <laughs> All right, so so Xbox 360, did you uh, uh and did you play did you end up doing anything on uh, PlayStation or or the Wii during that period or were you just kind of strictly a a 360 kid? I was pretty much 360 cuz I didn't ever play PS3 until like I bought one 2 months ago and I think that might be the first time I've ever used a PS3. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I got a Wii in like 2011, 2012 as a gift from my sister. And even then, like the amount of time I put, that was basically to me, that was like a GameCube that could play Netflix. Like yeah. I, all I did was just play old. That's when I started replaying old GameCube games again and like buying new GameCube games I missed. Cause like for being a poor guy or like when you're like a, in your kind of like early mid teens, it's like, it's so great to go to a game store and you can buy like, walk past the like PS3 360 section and buy 99 cent GameCube games that no one wants anymore because it's like 2013. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you just like get to play Luigi's Mansion and have fun. There you go, yeah. No, I definitely remember when uh, when uh, with the Wii, I was like, oh, I can like, took my I took my GameCube into like a pawn shop or something. I was like, well, I don't need this anymore because the Wii can play all my GameCube games. So I still have all the games, but I, I definitely traded in my purple, purple uh, GameCube box. <laughs> And you never went back and bought it, did you? No, I did not. I did not. I, I, I have not yet. The the collector in me, I'm sure, at some point will go in. And uh, there's a there's like a retro game store here in town um, that has balls. They carry balls for you. Um, yeah, they always do. Yep. And uh, uh, they, like, when, whenever I go in there and look at, like, some of the old things they have, I'm like, that Atari and that GameCube... Those those might find their way into my collection at some point when I have more room. For me, that was always the N sixty four. Like yeah, I remember in that time, I would like go to the game store and they always had like it was like an N sixty four is only forty dollars and I'm like, that's a lot of money though. And I'm just like, it's like to me now, it's like whatever. But like at the time, I was like, that's like that's impossible to get. But I'm like one day, and I just I've never done it. I wanted the atomic green one. But apparently those are kind of rare. But now you'll drop like what twenty bucks on a on a Super Nintendo Vegas game. <laughs> in Austin. That, game, that game is fantastic. We should have talked about that game. I didn't even like. I skipped over the whole Super Nintendo part. Yeah. Let's, uh, so okay, that's fine. We can. <laughs> it's my show. We can dump, jump back. So tell me, like, t- let's talk about that game, which wasn't actually that game, if I recall correctly. And, yeah. Uh, and, I think yeah but some of you, some of your like early, your pre. Uh, pre GameCube uh, experiences, yeah, that, like go. <laughs> <laughs> so like around the time, a little bit before the GameCube, and then even throughout, like kind of the GameCube thing, I would play Super Nintendo and even a little bit of regular Nintendo. But those were like my sisters, and that's part of some other games we'd play together because my sisters only had like five games, and because and those games were like they had the they had the Mario games, they had Duck Hunt, and they had like they had a Sesame Street game and they had a Jeopardy game for the Super Nintendo and which I also remember we'd play all the time but it only had like 20 questions in it. Yeah, I remember I remember that Jeopardy game. So you get you get pretty good at it pretty quick if you uh, if you have a memory. Yeah. And then um and then we had this game called I believe it was on the NES and it's called Vegas Dreams. And mm-hmm. what this what this masterpiece of a game is like definitely top 100 games of all time is you you are a guy and you go to Vegas and your sole job is just to make a million dollars 
it might even have been more, but I vaguely remember it being a million dollars. And so what you do is you play four very simple mini games like blackjack, poker. I know it's blackjack, roulette, um, slots, and like one of the one which might have been poker. And you just like bet your chips and try to win money. And then you also have these like in between games, like when you're switching games, you have these amazing NPC interactions where like you'll go sit at a bar and some woman will like come up to you and then like hit on you. And like depending on like how you flow with the conversation, you'll like you can get married or like she can steal like a bunch. You can get married and then you'll get divorced and like she'll steal a bunch of your money. And there's, I distinctly remember there's one where you fall down a flight of stairs and then you like sue the hotel for like $150,000. And it's just like these great NPC interactions. And I also remember the one where a guy will come up to you and be like, Hey man, like I'm down on my luck. Can I have $500? And if you give it to him, he can, he like, he'll either, you'll never see him again. Or like, he'll come back to you later and be like, Oh, I I hit big. Here's 10 grand. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So Vegas, Vegas dream was the game. Um, yeah, that's uh, it was by Hal Laboratories, same uh, same people that gave us uh, was that Kirby, <laughs> and then um, and and so you picked up the sequel, Vegas yeah. Stakes. Yeah, it's basically the exact same game, but on Super Nintendo, Super and it like Nintendo. look and it looks nicer. Yeah. And uh, I'm not mad that I picked it up, but it's still sealed. I just want to point that out that we went to a, I went to a game store. And they had a case of just, like, still sealed. Like, they had Halo 2 and, like, a bunch of other games that are still sealed. And in the back, like, tipped over, I was, like, looking at it. And I, like, had to, like, turn the flashlight on my phone and, like, hold it up to the case to see what was there. And I was, like, it's a Super Nintendo box. What is it? And I was, like, Vegas Stakes. And I was, like, it's still sealed. And I was, like, how much is it? And it was, like, $17. And I was, like, sold. And I had to go get the guy, I had to go get the guy to, like, open the case and he opens it, and he, he opens it, and he goes, what game did you want? And I go, Vegas Stakes. And he goes, I don't know what game that is. And I'm like, it's in the back, like, at the top, in the back, like, all behind everything. And he picks it up, and he goes, I didn't even know this was back here. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was at RTX this year, right? Like, before yeah, I was... showed up, uh, you, yeah, you, yeah. Got, you got there earlier, and, and you guys were out, like, because that was where you went to get balls in uh, yep. there. Yeah, that was... Uh, that's when I just like saw that whole exchange while I'm like on Twitter at the airport or something. I was like, uh, "This is what he's doing before I get there." Awesome. I was <laughs> so, disappointed though. Like, I called that store ahead of time and I made sure they had balls, and they said they had every flavor, and they only had original. It was also ex- I was also pretty sure it was expired because it did not taste right. <laughs> All right, so so Vegas Dream. What other what other early Pre uh, pre GameCube memories, uh, do you want to touch on? So then, uh, then on the N sixty four, they had Super Mario sixty four, Mario Kart, and I think they oh they also had Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo. That was the other Super Nintendo game. And so it was Mario Kart and Mario sixty four, and I think uh, like a Mario Party. And so those were games. I used to remember, like, I'm bad at platforming, so I never really got that far. And I was also really young, so I never really got that far in Super Mario 64. And But I do, I, most of the time, I think I put it on the N64 was Mario Kart. You know? Good yeah. memories. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, there's some solid N64 games to have played, so just yeah. to get them. All right. So <clears throat> jumping back ahead in time then. Um, 
uh, where else on the 360 did we did we go? So we're pretty much like, like uh, yeah. So from Halo Three, I definitely remember one year for Easter, I got Skate, which is like it was like from I was like basically for me playing that, I was like this game like it blew me away, and I was like, man, and I was like, remember when Tony Hawk was really good? <laughs> and uh, are you are you one of the ones that's always out there on EA accounts just writing Skate Four? I'm not writing it, but if they brought it back, I would, I would buy it like yeah. in a heartbeat. Because like those games are really good, and even I played Skate One, and then a couple years like two years ago, I bought like Skate Three because I was like I just felt like playing a skateboarding game, and they haven't made a Tony Hawk game that's like good in like forever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll get Skate Three, and I was like, this game is really good. Nice. All right, so uh, so you've betrayed Tony Hawk for Skate. Yep. And then I went uh, back to Tony Hawk. Uh, I got Tony okay. Hawk. I got Tony Hawk Proving Grounds, which is that was when Tony Hawk was like, "Hey, what did Skate do that people like?" And we're like, "Let's just do that, but let's put Tony Hawk on the box." <laughs> like they they took the entire so the control scheme of Skate is that you have to like instead of just hitting like A to jump, you have to flick the sticks. Mm-hmm. So like you flick the left stick like up and down to like Ollie, and you're like you have to go down and up to Nolly, and you, you just do stuff like that. It's really technical. And so then Tony Hawk was like, "Let's just do that." same control scheme and then just like put Tony Hawk on the box. Well, I mean if you're gonna steal, steal good. Yeah. Like I didn't I didn't hate it as a game, but it's definitely not really like a Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk game. Got it. Yeah, makes sense. What Because uh, as someone who didn't really ever play any of the Tony Hawks, um, I know the music is one of the things that a lot of people talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, did that like do you have like fond memories of those soundtracks as a result of that. I yeah, I definitely do. Again, I remember it was a big thing too between my so my like my oldest sister loves music, and it was always the thing whenever I would get the Tony Hawk game and I would be playing it is that she would come and like open the case and flip through the manual to see what was on the soundtrack, and then we would like talk about it. And I definitely I remember like I think the Thug Two soundtrack I remember like the best, but also like I do think like those Tony Hawk soundtracks were really good, mm-hmm. and like I definitely like I. I never see like I never I didn't put too much time into Tony Hawk one and two, so stuff like when everybody talks about like Super Goldfinger by Superman, or the other way around I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, um, that's like the track that everyone talks about, and um, I like so I don't have that attachment to that, but I definitely remember a lot of the stuff on the the Thug Two soundtrack and like Deadly Sinners by Three Inches of Blood, which is like a it's just somebody really like high pitched yelling Deadly Sinners. Well, it's like it's like really like metal music, and I remember like Tim Schafer is like a huge fan of theirs. Okay. That's like a, I know that's a really weird thread I have from an interview I saw with Tim Schafer on G Four, where he said part of the inspiration for Brutal Legend was Three Inches of Blood, and I was like, they're from the Thug Two soundtrack. <laughs> Speaking of uh, G Four, so when did when did you get into G Four and uh, and kind of uh, evolve from your Game Informer? background and start getting more kind of uh encompassed by the industry so it was like 2006 and i was like flipping through the one of the cable channels we had and a ninja warrior was on yeah and i was like i was like what the fuck is this and so i watched it for a long time and then i would continue casually just kind of like watch it for like this is probably over the course like a week and i would just watch it every once in a while and then they kept running ads for x play and attack of the show and, like, a couple other shows, like, Cheat and stuff. And I just remember one day I checked those out, and I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, this channel isn't just, like, weird parkour stuff with, like, Japanese man yelling. 
I was like, they talk about video games on here. And I was like, I found my home. <laughs> it was the only time I ever really got into G4 was uh, it was a similar experience where I was in uh, uh, it was in the housing in Santa Fe for the when I worked the summer at the Santa Fe Opera and they had like G4 was one of the channels we had because it wasn't a channel that we had on my uh, like on on the package at my parents house um, and then I just didn't have like cable when I uh, uh, when I moved out and was going to college and stuff so that was the first time I like my first exposure to it. Um, and so I was like, it was the same thing though. It was like, okay, I got, I got sucked in by, by uh, Ninja warrior. And then like, yeah, I would see, uh, Kevin Pereira and Olivia Mon like, uh, mm -hmm. doing a uh, attack of the show and stuff. And, uh, and so, yeah, I would like, I, I watched it for the summer and then like never again. <laughs> and then it died soon after or something. <laughs> And I mean, yeah, and you want to talk about stuff that, like, shaped you as a person. I definitely think, uh, like, watching X-Play and Attack of the Show definitely, like, shaped. And, like, especially, like, Adam Sessler is, like, a huge kind of, like, idol of mine. So is Kevin Ferrer, too. Like, those are just, like, like, I remember I got to meet Adam Sessler just at PAX West. Like, we got to talk for a minute. Like, it, he was super busy, so we didn't get to talk for long. But I was, like, I was, like, this is amazing. And I was, like, I didn't, like gush out on him or anything but it's definitely like man like i was like i watched you every day for like eight years and i like i saw like 90 percent of those episodes even when like and you think about it like they did those episodes every day during the summer too like when there was nothing to talk about and they just did like yeah. interviews and stuff like they made a show yeah and i was just like i don't know like i just i love those dudes and i like adam sister i think really shaped how i think about games and especially like uh hearing them like now like that that's all over with and i'm more so much more involved in the industry and i like listen to adam sessler talk like candidly on podcasts and stuff like i don't know i just i love it yeah I, yeah I've, I've almost kind like i've been in the like direct vicinity of him a couple times both at uh at, at pax south was the first time and then yeah just at pax east uh or pax west a separate time from when you guys ran into him um like i was just right outside and like like I was, I almost like crashed into him because I was like looking at my phone or something. And, uh, and then he like walked right in front of me. I was like, Oh, uh, and I was like, Oh, it was Adam Sessler. Um, but yeah, I did but, that for Tim Schaefer where Tim Schaefer was walking towards me typing on his phone and I just go, Tim. And I was like, Tim, I was like, Tim. And he like looks up and he's like, and he just looks at me and he's like, Hey, and I'm like, hi. <laughs> we just like walked our own separate I was like, I, I was like, I wanted to oh, like, I like you Tim Schaefer. I love your games. But I was like, I don't know what I have to say to you. Yeah. So yeah, but since I didn't have that like that uh, connection to Adam Sessler, I didn't like um, it. And it was at PAX South. It was uh, like uh, our friend Sean Pitts mm. was uh, was super excited to meet him for the first time. Um, and it was it was just one of those where I was like, I like yeah, I just I just walked him watched by or watched him walk by. But I, like I have very little affinity for him just because I didn't have that that history. Mm. I was um, it was just. A, a not yeah it was like but like i recognized him and i knew who he was like in the industry but i hadn't spent hours and hours and hours kind of consuming his content so it was, it was one of those where i was like oh like cool it's cool that he's here hope he's having a good mm -hmm. time um and i like i love that like people that are diehards for him were getting to meet him um but yeah it was, it was one of those where i was like oh like i'm not gonna introduce him or introduce myself and be like hey like big fan because i don't want to be disingenuous <laughs> yeah so, yeah 
And then, like, going from G4 to, like, Adam Sessler, when he got... So, at the time, they posted on the G4 website that was my homepage on my computer. And uh, they were like, oh, Adam Sessler's leaving X-Play. And it just showed up at, like, 8 o'clock at night one night. And I was like, oh. And I was like, man. And I was like, that. And, I, like, that was kind of a... I was like, it was upsetting. And I remember, like, talking about it with people who, like... Like, my sister specifically, who, like, doesn't give a fuck. But she was the only person, just for cur- her cursory knowledge of, like, G4... That I was like, and she used to tell me, she's like, that guy has a really annoying voice because he would always be like, five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, um, and then later I remember like talking about him candidly on podcasts and stuff. Like he was fired because mm-hmm. they didn't like, like he didn't, uh, like when, Com- I think it was when they were bought by Comcast or when NBC was bought by Comcast or something, new heads took over. And that's why G4 is the way it is now. It's because, like, all the decisions they made were, like, it doesn't technically exist. Mm-hmm. It's just cops reruns, even though yeah. it was already 80% cops reruns. Yeah. And um, so when he went over online and started doing stuff at Rev3 Games, that was, like, the first online kind of, like, content I started watching. Okay. And so, I mean, that definitely, and then that kind of led me to where I am now, too, through a bunch of other channels. Like, that was the first stuff I was watching on YouTube which then led me to other YouTube sources and, like, Kind of Funny and Rooster Teeth and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, like, dive, dive into that a little bit, and we, we can come back to, like, the this last generation of, of yeah. uh, Xbox One and PS4 and stuff. But, yeah, t- like, talk talk about that journey a little bit. Um, what, like, Rev3 and, and all that stuff. Because I, that's another one, like, Rev3, I've, I've only just found out about recently because I was so much like ingrained in like the IGN verse that um, that was really like my that was my homepage for for um, years and years was just kind of that site um, uh, and like I knew I knew there were other sites out there but I just was never visiting them or anything so um, yeah. I had like the inverse because so basically G4TV.com would like update with like five news stories a day about like what was going on in gaming. And at the time I was like, man, I'm getting all this up to date news on gaming. And then in the forums, which I was the first like forums I would partake in, I everybody I, basically the entire forums was people talking shit about G4. And then like and then there would be like me and like a couple other fans that were always like, no, this is amazing. And I'm like, you guys get out. And then uh they were like that goes over so well on the internet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, at that time, uh, I remember eventually going to IGN. IGN was then the next site I went to for news, which it remained for like years. And mm-hmm. I remember being like, they update so frequently, and they have so many good stories, and they even just have articles about written about like like the history of Naughty Dog and stuff, which was like much later. But it's just so like, and I so that's like one I was saying before, like you don't know you're in the dark until like you're out of it. And, like, when you go to IGN and you're getting all this, like, up-to-date news and I'm checking it multiple times a day, and I'm just like, man, and I'm like, remember on G4 when we get five news stories a day? <laughs> so, and, so, uh, uh, so, yeah, about, so how did we get to, how did you get to Rev3? I mean, you, so you followed Adam to, to Rev3. Uh, at some point, I saw a thumbnail that had Adam on it, and uh, he, he started, his first show he started doing at Rev3 was called Sessler Something which was a show he used to do for G4 on their website. Like it was a web exclusive video where it called Sessler Soapbox, where he would just kind of one, it was just the camera on him and he would just kind of like talk and rant about video games, like what he was thinking about. 
And so they started doing Sessler something. And it was like a joke at first of like, oh, we didn't have a name for this. So we're going to call it Sessler something until we figure out what it is. And then it remained that for the entire time he was there. I can prove uh, the alliteration. Yeah. And uh, so he, there was like a thumbnail with him on it. And it was on YouTube. And I was like, oh, I guess this is what he's doing now. So I started watching it. And then like every there, the way that Red 3 worked was like every day they had a specific piece of content. So they had like, they would upload reviews and stuff like I remember Fridays were casual Fridays where they would get a couple of them together and they would like drink coffee and like talk about like a topic. And then they would also do, that was my first bringing up into live streams where like, that's kind of how I found out what Twitch was. Sorry. Sorry. Joe's just dancing around behind you. It happens. Roommate Joe Ruffler. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Fellow friend and future guest undoubtedly on the show. (laughs) Um, so then, uh, what, so they had like casual Fridays and I forget what all the other, but there was like names for everything. And then they would do like on Wednesdays, they would do Google Hangouts where like people got to talk to Adam and like do comment or like ask him questions and stuff. And then eventually they started doing Twitch live streams, which was my introduction to Twitch that had, uh, and like Anthony Carboni and Adam Sessler would do a Twitch stream where like the first half of it would be indie games. And that was kind of my introduction to a lot of indie games at the time, too. And, like, Anthony Carboni would be like, hey, check out these cool indie games. And then they would play, like, they played Outlast. And that was, like, my introduction to Outlast, too. And then they, then the running joke from that was Alan Wake. Because at one, during one of the streams, people started making Alan Wake jokes. And that's when, like, I still make those jokes sometimes. Like, oh, for Alan's sake. Or, like, oh, it's, it's Alan Bake. And it was just, like, puns like that. So then they started playing Alan Wake. <laughs> nice. And, uh... Yeah, so then um, from there, I pretty much, like, I, that's where I also got into other personalities like Max Scoville and Anthony Carboni and, like, Scott Bromley. Because, mm-hmm. like, like Max Scoville had that great show, which was uh, Max Scoville's study hall, where he would basically be like, oh, so you like Hotline Miami? Here's other stuff to check out, like Miami Vice and, like, like these movies and stuff. And then Scott Bromley's Internet Rabbit Hole was great, too, because he would basically, like, start it with one topic and ended another and he would basically it was like six degrees to kevin bacon but for like mm-hmm. a thing so like there's one of them that was like titanfall 2 and then i forget it's something like the looney tunes or something and then he like connects them through like chains and i don't know i just enjoy that one as well my favorite one of those is about game shows and he talks about how he was on the price is right and anthony carboni was on legends of the hidden temple yeah and that still makes me laugh because like he shows the clip of anthony and the guy uh for the host of legend of the hidden temple is like so, Anthony, what do you like to do for fun? And he goes, draw. And he goes, what do you draw? And he just, like, pauses, and he goes, landscapes. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it's just, like, yeah, stuff like that is just super so funny. Like, I love, I was a, I was a huge Rev3 fan. And then uh, my Twitter profile picture before Kevin was uh, Adam Sessler because there was a joke of, like, oh, everybody change your uh, Twitter profile to this picture of Adam Sessler. And then it was that for three years until I changed it to Kevin. <laughs> nice. And, uh... So from there, I kind of just got into more and more YouTube content. That's when I found Inside Gaming, mm-hmm. which okay. was what, if a lot of, I don't know if people don't know, but that's what uh, Funhouse from Rooster Teeth, that's what they originally were. Yeah. And I found them when they, like, didn't even have, like, they were kind of just, it was, like, the end of 2013, and they were had just started, like, kind of doing Let's Plays and stuff. And, like, I just immediately became huge fans of them, and I can, that was, like, the next thing I jumped to. And then eventually, like, Red 3 kind of fell apart, which was, like, kind of sad. But And then I went to Inside Gaming, and then from there, that's when I found Kind of Funny, way before it was called. 
back when it was I Game mean, Over Greggy show. Yeah, yeah. It was just uh, YouTube.com slash Game Over Greggy. And I was just like, oh, this dude from IGN has a podcast. And for whatever reason, I like listened to it. I like listened to it. Like they had just started breaking out the topics. Mm-hmm. And I listened to one of them and I was like, man, I was like, this is fucking hilarious. And I was like, it's just so funny to me too that like, I wasn't a huge IGN person, but I knew Greg Miller because Greg Miller was the banner ad for like on IGN for like forever. And because so my IGN thing was I would just read IGN. Like I didn't watch any of the videos until like much later. Mm -hmm. And uh, so watching, I still wonder sometimes like, why did I decide to listen to that podcast just because it had the dude from IGN on it? And I also think, like, man, and I'm like, that decision literally changed my life. <laughs> in, in many, many ways. And, and yeah, the, the, many pa- uh, the, the many decisions that, that led you to where you are now. The, yeah. one, of, uh, one of the questions later is, uh, is how we met. So we'll, uh, we can mm-hmm. tell that story um, uh, in, a, in a, I don't know, an hour or so whenever we get to that topic. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting because... Uh, Talking to Cam last week, um, uh, he he got into kind of funny um, through Oreo oration. Um, mm. Like he wasn't an IGN person, um, and that like he was like this person. This guy reviews Oreos, interesting. And I remember like when I first met him, like him telling me that story, and I was like, everybody like everybody's got a story. This is fun. I love mm. I love this kind of stuff. So um, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, we talked. Like Funhouse or uh, 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 Inside Gaming, Machinima Inside Gaming, gaming um, that now is Funhouse. Now is with Rooster Teeth. Um, were you in Rooster Teeth before they broke off and did Funhouse, or um, or did them do it, leaving and doing Funhouse get you into Rooster Teeth? Well, yeah. So I actually started watching Rooster Teeth before because after I started watching the Game Over Greg show, a couple months later, like Inside Gaming, they were huge Rooster Teeth fans. Mm-hmm. And they would talk about, like, how great Achievement Hunter was. And I was kind of into this thing one day where I was like, well, I was like, if these guys that I love say that they love this thing, I should go check it out. So I went and started watching Achievement Hunter Let's Plays. And uh, I was like, oh, man. And I was like, I was like, these, a lot of these are really good. I really like them. And then from that, I just started getting more and more into Rooster Teeth. And then by the time I'm, like, a full-blown Achievement Hunter Rooster Teeth fan, they're like, we're leaving Inside Gaming. And then... There was like I remember there was like two weeks. There was like a week or two where they weren't allowed to say what they were doing. Yeah. And then people started like piecing all the things together of like Lawrence just like became a mod on this subreddit called Funhouse. So whatever they're doing is called Funhouse. And I remember at the time being like, this is a stupid name. Then why would they be called Funhouse? Could have been Dude Soup. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there, there was another one too that had something to do with pudding. That was really funny. Like, oh, it was called like mouth pudding or oh no, that was kind of no, funny. Was, yeah, kind of funny was mouth was almost mouth pudding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then, uh, what was the, oh yeah, then RT at the same time was opening in LA, a, like branch of their like uh, office building or something. And then they were like, and then people were doing the thing where they're like the carpet in this photo that Bernie tweeted out matches the same carpet in this photo that Adam Kovic tweeted out. And I was like, they're, they're joining Rooster Teeth. And I just yeah. remember when they announced it, I was like, yes. And I was like, this is awesome. And then it's even like, it's like the same thing when kind of funny was like, we're partnered with Rooster Teeth now. I'm like, all right, so the four things that I liked became the two, the, they're all like, everything I liked is now the same thing. And like, they're all connected. Yeah. That, that's, that's, I mean, it makes, <laughs> makes life easier to, to yeah. like fewer events you have to go to or exactly. wait, more events you have to go to because, because now we just go to every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and now, now I don't have to go outside the rooster teeth store for all my orders. Everything's just in there. Yeah. I mean, that, that helps save yep. on shipping. <laughs> 
All right. Um, so then let's uh, let's kind of wind down, I guess, with the uh, with like the last generation of uh, uh, where we're at now. Uh, or I, well, before we dive into that, um, did you kind of keep up with uh, with how have you how have you kept up with handheld gaming? I know you've got your Vita. Uh, yeah. Um, so basically, I got a PSP when it launched, the mm-hmm. PSP one thousand. And I got a couple games with that. I got to bring it back to Tony Hawk again. I had the Tony Hawk Underground 2 Remix, which is a great port of Tony Hawk on PSP. I will recommend that to everyone. Because yeah. they added they had like added new levels and like characters and stuff. And then uh, I also had I had Ape Escape on the loose, which was the Ape Escape like remake. And then I had an Ape Escape Academy, which was like a Mario Party game. And then I had Burnout and a Need for Speed Most Wanted port. And basically, like, I put so little time into the PSP. And then I also had a DS at this time. And, like, that's when I got, like, out of Pokemon was when Diamond came out. I got a DS just for Diamond. So I only have, like, three DS games. And I I accidentally traded in Diamond once (laughs) because I traded in a bunch of my games when I was buying these, like, GameCube games that were super cheap. And Diamond, just, like, the little SD card happened to be in the box. So they, like, traded it in. And so now I just have the empty case for Diamond. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, like, I didn't keep up with handheld, like, whatsoever during... That's when I, like, basically fell out of it. But, so, it was a huge decision for me to buy a Vita because I was like, I want one, and I want to play some of the games on it, but I'm worried I'm not going to play it because I don't play handhelds. And the Vita, I think, is the handheld I probably put the most time into. Mm -hmm. Except for, like, I know I put a lot in it in Pokemon, but I also, like, I know, like, I put 100 hours into Persona 4 Golden, and let alone, like, I just tried the Platinum Resistance Burning Skies and the online pass won't let me get the trophy. Because <laughs> you was need... such a sad little tweet. <laughs> and you're like, man, you're like, that guy played Resistance Burning Skies for six hours and he can't get the Platinum because of the online pass. Yeah. Uh, well, well. yeah. Exactly. And I'm like, so it was just like, but yeah, I love the Vita. It's probably my favorite handheld of all time. Cool. And uh, so I'm like, but so then on the 360. I remember to get into better games that aren't like Viva Pinata and like Tony Hawk and stuff, because I eventually did play good games, was like Assassin's Creed, the first one I remember really wanting. And it, that was the first time I played a game and was like, this is, I know you hate Assassin's Creed, but I was like, <laughs> I was like this is, I was like, this is next gen. And I was like, because it like, and then I've, I don't remember, I think, I'm pretty sure I told you the story, but like the, the G4 demo or like during uh, E3. Where they're like they they're like running around the open world city, and the the girl was like the one woman was talking to Adam Sessler and was like, "Oh, so you know when you play a game and you run up to a wall and you're like, I should be able to get over this, but like they won't let you." And she's like, "In our game, she's like, you can go wherever you want." And he like climbs on top of a roof, and there was one part where she's like, "And if you see like a window, you should be like, I should be able to grab that." She's like, "You can grab that," and the dude's like hanging off a window like ledge, and it like blew my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's another one of your stories where I'm like, uh, yep, that's that, that's Frank. <laughs> hey man, it was 2008, and I'm like, the ability to like when you play like stuff like Jack and Dexter, and you get to a part, or like even Pokemon, you know, the joke is that like you should be able to walk over the like ledges you can't because they like they only come up to like your knees. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. That shit was everywhere in games at that time. Mm-hmm. So the game that was like you're able to go wherever you want, it like blew my fucking mind. And then that's when Assassin's Creed 2 blew my mind, too, because in Assassin's Creed 1, you couldn't swim. And also, you couldn't, like, all the buildings were just, like, rectangles and squares, like, they're with, like, JPEGs of doors. 
And mm-hmm. so in Assassin's Creed 2, they were like, you can you have two hidden blades now, you can swim, and you can go inside buildings. That also blew my fucking mind. <laughs> it's the little things in life. That's it yeah. helps. I mean, you also gotta remember it's funny now, but this was like 2008. Yeah. Like yeah. gaming was a lot different than it is now. Now that's cause that's we, fair. It makes me laugh because now with like Unity, they're like, we have five thousand characters on the screen at one time, and you can go into one of every four buildings. And I'm like, man, this game blows. <laughs> it's at least you're learning yeah <laughs> like don't, don't always just buy that hype as like that's amazing selling points <laughs> yeah well it was just like those are what like blew my mind and got me to buy the game and then i was like oh i like these games like I'm, I'm an assassin's creed fan until you get to unity when unity was like i don't like this at all this is a bad game did you like then, three yeah i like three i think the <laughs> intro to th- i think the intro to three is awful but i think once you get past that it gets better Okay, that's what that, that I mean. I never got past it. Yeah, yeah. As, as as we've talked about, like my story was, um, I played the first uh, Assassin's Creed, hated it, so I like put it away, probably before even like the first assassination or something, and then because um, I just hate the controls of it. And then uh, when I got my PS4, I was looking for something to play, and I grabbed Black Flag because I'd heard good things about it, and I like really enjoyed it. It was it tricked me into liking Assassin's Creed. Uh, and what I really liked was like all of the pirate shit stuff that's not in any of the other games. So I go, but I was like, maybe I'll give this another shot. And so I went back and played the first one. Was like, yep, I still hate this, but everybody says that it got really good with two. So I'll suffer through and and uh, and then I die, uh, dove into uh, the uh, the Ezio trilogy. I was like, okay, yeah, two is a better game. Still hate the controls. And then I played like the other uh, like Brotherhood and Revelation. And uh, it was like, okay, these are fine. And then got to three, and yeah, like I didn't even get um, through that, like the intro part. I was like, nope, I like, I'm done. I'm I've done. And then uh, I was like, screw it. I don't I don't care. I don't need to play this. I already know what happens to Desmond because I like because I've played four. Uh, and then like Unity was. I was like, okay, I'll try Unity, and hated everything that Unity added. In terms of like the the uh, what was it like that you had the app game that you had to play if you wanted to unlock some of those chests and uh, it, it like all of the the you play stuff that was in that game I was like oh, I hate like I I finished that game out of spite and and did not come back for Syndicate and was like nope never again fuck you fuck you Assassin's Creed <laughs> fuck you Assassin's Creed Black Flag for tricking me into thinking this was a good series no they all suck they all control horribly. I don't care if you can swim or climb every building. Unity <laughs> they were not. Was, they were not fun. Unity was the first Assassin's Creed I played, and I was like, "This is a bad game." And I still like maintain that. I think like it, it. Besides, like everybody was talking about like how broken it is and like missing faces and like stuff and like that. But I'm like, no. Did, but I'm. I like, didn't. I didn't run into any of that stuff. That was all fine. I didn't. That was all hyperbole. I caught that. That was like a super small fraction of gamers that just got blown up because they were funny pictures. Um, it was it was the game like not working um, uh, when I like because I wasn't even trying to do like the co-op missions or anything. It was just like but like it would think I was trying to do a co-op mission. And so it would, like try and load something and then just nothing would load. And I was like, what? The? Ah, just I'd have to turn the game off and, and like restart to uh, to get back into it. The only problem I ran into it with was like frame rate dips, which definitely happened to me like oh, frequently. Yeah. 
Yeah. But like, I think that those five thousand people on screen doesn't really make the game run great. Yes, there exactly. are five thousand people on screen. It's <laughs> just like, yeah, it's just like it's not a good game. Like I don't. But even then, like I think the story's not as good. The like though the map annoys the shit out of me, and not like how the way it's laid out, but it's because like what you were talking about with the chest you can only open with like you play, and the chest you can only open with the app, and then the chest you can only open by having the lockpicking skill, and then the chest you can just open whenever. And all of that's on the map at all times. Yeah. And let alone all the other dumb bullshit that's on the map. Like, they just turned Unity up to, like, 11, and all of it's bad. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, and that's, like, and that's the thing. is like, I'm an Assassin's Creed fan, and I think that that game's bad. I traded that game back into GameStop, because GameStop emailed me and was like, hey, that game you just bought, we'll give you $40 for it. And I was, like, sold. And I was like, you are making a bad decision right now, GameStop, but I'm going to take advantage of it. Yeah, and it was, yeah, it was just like uh, unity, man. Unity. So, Assassin's Creed aside, I've got my venting out of the system. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what other uh, What other games of the modern era did have you really like delved into? So, like, I play. I pretty much like a lot of the 360 generation. I was kind of like behind. Like, usually when games would drop in price is when I would play them. But so, like, I eventually a couple years later, I eventually got around to like Bioshock. Which was like another great game. I when the Gears of War three was coming out, they came out with like the Gears of War triple pack, which had Gears one, two, and like DLC. So I got to play that. I'm a huge Gears of War fan. Like that's the only like Xbox exclusive I like genuinely am like a fan of is Gears of War. And um, another one too, like another one we could talk about probably a little bit is Bioshock Infinite. Like that's like I do genuinely really love that game. And like, Sorry, like uh, I mean, real real quick for. Bioshock Infinite. So Gears Gears 4 coming out next week. Are you like excited to dive into that? Yeah, I am. Joe has it pre-ordered. Okay. So I'm actually going to uh, since we can play co-op, I'm actually going to pick up the Gears of War 4 like limited edition controller. Okay. And uh, so then, and then we'll probably just go co-op through it. I wanted to pick up the Gears of War 4 limited edition uh, system, but it's like oh. $500. Oh. Wait, are you like is the is the limited edition Gears controller, isn't that like an elite controller? Uh, no, it's just like a regular controller that's like okay. skin. It's like red and has like the COG logo on it. And then the console is the Slim. It's a two terabyte console and it's like red and it has like, like it has like the stars it. on it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like, it's just like, and then it comes I mean, with it, the game. It's a, like it's a good looking console. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely a fan and I, I wanted it, but I thought it was like two ninety nine. I didn't know it was like 500. Hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, rent. God damn it. <laughs> Stupid rent. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, but I'm definitely, I am excited to jump into that. Cool. I just, uh, I just played through and I'm hoping to uh, get back and do a, a review of, uh, I just played through the Gears of War remastered that came out last year. Um, and that was my first Gears experience. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a fun, fun game. I mean, it's, I, I definitely get the sense that playing through it solo is a very different experience than playing through it co-op. Um, but I'm like, eh, but I'm not a co-op player, so solo it is. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna try and have a trying to do like a week of reviews next week um, since I haven't had. I've been like doing writing stuff behind the scenes, but I haven't had uh, haven't had anything uh, published up on the site recently. So um, looking to to kind of do a flurry of of posts next week, uh, including a, a review of of that. So. Um, Keep an eye out for my thoughts on Gears of War One remastered. You know, 
when it's I'm super like, relevant. <laughs> exactly. I look forward to reading because another thing I was like, I was recently looking at games at work because I'm like, I want this console, but I know I'm only going to play like Gears of War on it. So like, but I got to make it worth it. So I was looking at it. I was thinking about like, I was like, I might get the Ultimate Edition and then like the uh, Sunset Overdrive because like, I, like the Xbox exclusives really just don't do it for me. <laughs> Yeah, Sunset Overdrive is, is probably my favorite Xbox exclusive, um, and that's it's the reason I bought the Xbox One uh, was to play that game. Yeah, it was it, there was like in the, like the two or three week period between Ratchet and Clank and uh, and Uncharted Four coming out, I was like, oh hey, like my favorite exclusive on both systems is an Insomniac game because um, it was Sunset Overdrive and then Ratchet and Clank for a couple weeks, and then Uncharted Four came out and was like, well, <laughs> it was fun while it lasted, Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> I just thought you were like a huge Fuse fan. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's Song of the Deep now. It it's they've completely yeah that was a great game. Song of the mm. Deep, super super not slow and boring at all. I just Apparently. like do you, can we talk about Fuse for a second? Like, I mean, we can. I I have I have no reference point for it outside of like knowing it's kind of a joke in their yeah in their catalog. So I I have little else to say but if you want to talk about fuse knock yourself out this is probably the most anyone's talked about fuse ever but <laughs> it's like when they announced it at e3 is like overstrike and it was like cartoony and everybody had their own weapons i was like sold this is really cool and then they were like all right let's take all the color and anything original out of this and make it the most generic ass game with the most generic name and the most generic cover where like the character's heads are cut off on the cover and it's just like I've played that game. Mm-hmm. I but, haven't yeah, beaten it. I played yeah, it. It's, I mean, that's the that's some of the criticism I've heard on it too. It's like um, it it started out. Everybody's really excited about it being like an insomniac style game mm-hmm. where you've got like crazy outlandish stuff going on, and then they like neutered it um, and gave you just kind of generic shooter. You know when you like watch a movie and the kids in the movie are playing like a really generic game? That's Fuse. Like they're playing Fuse. <laughs> okay. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna take that a different route and be like, you know, when you're watching a movie and it's like on the airplane, and so it's like the edited for the airplane version. That's Fuse. <laughs> I mean, that's also fair. It's like no, but it's like you know when you're on an airplane and how they like before they put screens and seats and they would project it onto the wall of the front and that's how you would watch the movie. That's like what fuses. It's it's that. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> All right. So fuse aside, what other? Uh, uh, so so, uh, it's really only gears that you're kind of interested on the Xbox side of things this year. But what have you been what have you been playing on? Uh, this generation what have you been playing on uh, on the ps4 so then eventually the ps4 comes out and that's when i i had my first job i think right before it came out and i basically like i could have afforded it when it came out but i was like i'll wait for the catalog of games to be better so i got it at the end of 2014 on like an impulse buy and the game that came with it was call of duty uh advanced warfare the one with kevin spacey okay and uh, I was like, all right, like all it was that or Destiny, but the Destiny console was white, and I wanted the black console. Mm. So I was like, all right, let's play Call of Duty. <laughs> and uh, that game's not that bad, but and then eventually we go on to I bu- I also picked up I uh, I was like I'm gonna I basically did what when my parents would buy me a console like you would have one or like two games and that's what you would rock for like months. Mm-hmm. So I was like Call of Duty will be good for a while. Like I don't need to buy a game. Literally like the next day I went and bought Infamous, Second Son, and Watch Dogs. Okay. 
and uh because like watchdogs was like i was like i could play this on 360 but i want the definitive next gen version that's like it's like not a good game and uh, i mean it, it would it wouldn't have been better on the 360 <laughs> i don't think so yeah and so i definitely like I I kind of remember playing it and kind of like realizing it has problems like a lot like I can't say anything that like other people haven't said but like there's literally there's literally like if you get caught by the cops and they're chasing you just go in the water because yeah. they're not pro there's no boats or anything like they're not programmed to chase you in the water yeah and then like there's like I know I've heard tons of problems that, about the game <laughs> that Assassin's Creed swimming still paying off for them exactly that's actually how I beat the final mission was because like. You have to like assassinate someone, so you go through this like hotel shootout, and I like, got in a car and I just like drove it into the water and just waited for the cops to go away. <laughs> and I was like, I beat your game. There you and, go. Uh, Are you excited for for the the sequel coming up? Yeah, I am. I'm definitely like I think a Ubisoft beside like Watch Dogs aside, I think I'm definitely like a Ubisoft game fan. Like okay. I'm a huge, I'm a Far Cry fan. I'm an Assassin's Creed fan. I'm like I'm excited for Watch Dogs too. So I guess you could say I'm a Watch Dogs fan. And like I just think like their open world, I enjoy the open world formula that they have. Yeah, of like the, you're the check all doing, the boxes. Yeah, like you're doing like, towers and running around and like doing side missions and stuff like stuff that doesn't take a lot of thought. And like usually it's fun for me to just like because I kind of like I'm playing a game and I'm having fun, but I kind of just like check out and I'm just like listening mm-hmm. to podcasts and I just kind of yeah. go around and do whatever I need to do. Yeah, no, it's just, it's like those are definitely solid games to to just kind of exactly do that just. Go and listen to a four episode, uh, four hour episode of this, uh, um, as you're just unlocking all of uh, San Francisco and Watch Dogs Two in a few weeks. Yep. <laughs> so I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited for that. And then uh, I'm trying to think what I went after that. Infamous Second Son. Or so I got Far Cry Four after that, okay. which uh, I love that game. It was going to be my first platinum, but the two online trophies like halted me because mm-hmm. kind of like you, I'm mostly a single player person. And I was also the only person at the time who I knew personally who had a PS4. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right. So I was like, I'm kind of SOL on this. And then I platinumed Infamous Second Son. So that was my first platinum ever. So that's, uh, that was, I mean, that's one of my earlier ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think my first was Bioshock Infinite, which we, we started to talk about and then we got distracted. So if you want to like, look, we can go back to Bioshock Infinite because that was a, that was an enjoyable game. I don't have anything like um great. Or, like I love. I just like I love the game, and a lot of people have problems with it. And like I just I don't know. Like I just love the game. I love the world sin, and like I, a lot of people have problems with shooting, but like I really didn't. And yeah, also, I mean it, it. It's if it's one of those games that if you if you measure it, uh, like in the in the like more survival element of the original Bioshock, um, it it's. It's not that it is more of a shooter than uh, than the original Bioshock was. So they're they're just different styles. But it's a it's a fun shooter. It's a you get a shoot. It's a shooter with pet superpowers. That's, yeah, like I can shoot crows at things. Cool. I don't know why that's effective at all, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna instead use like the lightning bolt. But okay. <laughs> and I think I think some of the stuff like the the hooks in the sky stuff like that's really underutilized too because like. When Ken Levine talked about it before it came out, it was always like, oh, like, you'll be flying around and, like, shooting things. But it's really, like, you'll get to, like, a certain, like, section, like, a firefight, and then you can do that. But it's not, like, during the entire game. Can you just, like, zip around and do stuff? Yeah, that's one of those, I mean, like, uh, if you look at, like, the early stuff that they showed with Bioshock Infinite, it's, I mean, it, like, that game definitely went through a lot of changes over the course of its lifestyle, uh, life, lifetime. Um, 
and I definitely get the sense in in reading some of the earlier things that were said about it and and watching some of the earlier like trailers and and gameplay stuff where it's like oh I think that it was gonna be more um, and then it turned into okay well we're gonna here's a here's a monster arena and the skyhook is a is a good way to get around it yeah um, uh, as to give some verticality to to our cloud city levels. So, I think yeah, I, I think yeah. it was just originally way more open, and like Ken Levine always talks about too. Like I specifically remember the part where like the blimp, because it's in the game. But he was at the time he was like, you can sky hook up there and into the blimp and take it out from the inside, or you can shoot it from down here. He's like, there's like three different ways that you can attack this, and that's how like the whole game is. And it's like no, that's just how the blimp part is. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it was originally I think way more open, and like they had ways such big ideas, and then at some point somebody had to be like, we need to rein this in. Like this doesn't work. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, it's definitely, like, it, there's a couple problems, I think, with that. But, like, it was one of the few games I've beaten and then immediately been, like, and then I just, like, I want more of this. And so I just started playing it over again. Mm-hmm. And there's only a handful of games that I've ever done that in my life where I finish it and I just start playing again. And, like, and even that, like, I had the story spoiled for me ahead of time because I played it, like, a year later. Mm-hmm. And but I was still interested in the story. Like it still managed to capture me and like me for me to pay attention and to like watch things and stuff. Like I just think, and I think it has an interesting story too. Yeah. And that's uh, like whenever, whenever people are, are like talk about spoiler and like the whole spoiler culture and stuff, I always, my argument is always a story is more than one moment. It's more than like the climactic moment of, of the story. So spoiling one moment does not take away from the hours upon hours that like lead up to that moment and, and make that moment have any kind of worth uh, and merit. So um, that's, I mean, that's my thoughts on some being spoiled. Um, and there, I mean, there were other times where I will like actively go out and like spoil something for myself. Cause I'm like, I'll, I'll be stressed otherwise. If I don't like, if I, um uh luke cage was a uh, was a great example uh just watching that recently where i was like oh i think somebody's gonna die and so i'm gonna like i like i'm getting really tense about it and i know there's like 10 minutes left in the episode i'm just gonna go ahead and like read the review of this episode and the recap and and but, oh yep they died so i know i know it's coming so i'm okay i'm fine i will <laughs> like now i know it's coming so now my like it, it would just like alleviate my stress levels and so that's a, totally something I would like I will go out of my way to spoil something for myself just to to not like be stressed out about it so I'm yeah like I'm not like a huge spoiler person of like being like oh don't talk about that or especially like if I'm listening to a podcast and they're like oh hey like that's what was happening is I was like listening to a podcast and they were talking about Bioshock Infinite so then they did the thing where like spoilers for Bioshock Infinite and I'm like I don't care whatever mm-hmm. and I'm just like like I'm never like I don't go out of my way to have things spoiled for me or, like, do it on a purpose, but, like, if somebody's, th- like, I just, I'm not, like, a huge spoiler person, I don't care, and, like, my guys, even with my story with this, is, like, I had The Last of Us room for me, too, and it's, like, I still played it, I still had a good time, like, it maybe it didn't have the same, like, emotional impact it would have, but, like, I still had, it was still, it's still a good game, it's still a good story. Yeah, and it still has a punch, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, and we can, we can come back to, uh, to, like, the, the, final kind of round out of ps4 stuff but i'm curious given your l- lack of pc gaming what got you into stardew valley and like what got you so into stardew valley because that was definitely one that like got me hooked as well this year um if anybody read uh read my 
Star Key Valley, like the eight six thousand words I wrote on that game over over the course of a month. Yeah, I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was Ray Narvaez Jr., formerly of Achievement Hunter, also known as Brown Man, to give that really complicated. I never know how to approach that, because like, if I say Ray Narvaez Jr., nobody knows who I'm talking about. But if I say Brown Man, I feel weird, but that's like his username. Yeah. So yeah, basically, um, he is a Twitch streamer now, and he was streaming that game, and I think that's the first time I had ever heard of it and saw it. And I was like, this game's really cool. I want to play this. And I remember for, like, weeks and months, uh, like, telling you, because you love Harvest Moon, I was like, you need to check out Stardew Valley. And then you were like, no, I'm, I'm all right right now. Like, I don't want I don't feel like playing PC games right now. And I was just like, but Stardew Valley, man. And I remember when, like, Alex O'Neill was like, you need to play Stardew Valley. And then you it wrote wasn't, me. It wasn't Alex, because Alex hasn't played it yet either. Oh. Uh, it, was, uh, it was Tony. Uh, it was either Tony or Scott when I was, mm-hmm. yeah, when I did Rational Passions. They, they talked about it. I was like... Like I knew, I knew what Stardew Valley was, and then they're talking about it. I'm like, oh, it's you're like you're you're scratching my nostalgic itch. I I just played like Harvest Moon Back to Nature on my Vita like just last year, and I like really want to dive into something like this. And so, yep, I, I was like, all right, screw it. Like I bought it during that episode, like during one of the bathroom breaks in that episode, <laughs> and then like yep, played eighty hours of it over the the next uh, the next few weeks. Yeah, I was just like, man, that's an amazing game. Like, and uh, that's definitely, I think, probably if you want to give a hint, that's probably one of my game of the years, if not yeah. in, like in the top five. That's, I mean, it's a solid, solid. Uh, and and you got to meet uh, Concerned Ape at uh, at oh, PAX yeah. West as well. And he's a cool guy. I still regret asking him that we talked about it coming to PS4, and I told him the whole. I basically told him the same thing as like, I don't play PC games, but I put like fifty hours into your game. Like, I really like your game. And uh, he was like, and we talked about it, and he's like, yeah, it's coming to PS4. And I was like, all right, cool. And I never asked him if it has a platinum trophy, and I still regret that. Oh, I'm sure it will. Like, oh, probably. Given, you given, the, given the Steam achievements for it, yeah, they'll. I'm sure they'll 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 figure that out. And and uh, I mean, it's going to be a pain in the ass of a platinum because I mean, there were a ton of achievements that I didn't get for it after 80 yeah. hours. You got to get um, everyone's friend level to the max. Like, get yeah, the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have that patience. I don't have the time to to do that these days. Um, yeah. So that's it, it's interesting that so uh, so you got into it because of a, uh, of of Brown Man. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, that's a solid. Uh, and and like, did you have a PC that was just capable of of doing it? Even though you were oh, no. a PC gamer, no. Oh no, I had I had an HP laptop, and that game ran terribly. I just okay. played it anyways. <laughs> okay, that's that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean that's like my setup is uh, this is a like my computer is from uh, like when I was still in college, so <laughs> so it's like eight eight plus years old, I think. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I need to. It it really hurts me when I'm trying to export things now. Do now that I'm doing a video podcast, where I'm like, oh okay. Especially if it's a four-hour podcast, I'm like, well, I'm gonna hit export and hope this is done in the morning. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, and it like it completely like covers up anything else I've got going on the screen. So I'm like, well, not doing anything else on my PC yeah. tonight. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <coughs> so yeah, I should I should probably invest in a new in a new setup. Um, so uh, so let's round up with uh, uh, wrap wrap this segment up with uh, any other like last final thoughts on like this generation of gaming. Um, another big game for me was Batman Arkham Knight. Okay. 
and uh because that was the first game ever in my entire life i ever pre-ordered because oh, okay we kind of skipped it but like uh i did love the batman games yeah and uh on the 360 and so when i was like this new next gen it's coming out like i know i'm getting it the guy at gamestop actually kind of talked me into it he was a friend of mine and uh because surprisingly i like i basically i got into the rotation of going in there like every week or every two weeks just because like i was just i had my own money finally so i was just like buying games and playing them so i like made friends with them and the guy was telling me i was like i know he's like i was like yeah i'm gonna pick it up day one and he was like well then why don't you pre-order it and just put five dollars down now and get all this like harley quinn and like uh red hood stuff which is you know that five minutes was totally worth it <laughs> yeah extra little mission yeah so like i was like yeah okay so i like i pre-ordered it and i remember like it was a big deal too because it was like the first time in a really long time that i was like playing a game as like the day came out like as other people were playing it and like i could listen to podcasts and stuff where like people had their thoughts and like i had my thoughts and like which is something i do way more now because i just kind of hit a point where i played all the old games i wanted to play so i have to play the new games mm, okay so it's like it's, it's so it's nice not having a backlog <laughs> I still, that's the problem is like, I still have a backlog, like 10 games I own that I need to play, let alone anything else that's like popped up. Mm. But um, I kind of got screwed because like there was like once Overwatch came out, I put a lot of time into Overwatch and then I just kind of got burnt out and stopped playing games for like two months. Okay. And now I'm finally like playing games again, but I'm like now everything's coming out. So like during the slow period is when I wasn't playing anything. Yeah, that was a, that was a mistake. Glad, glad I only played up, uh, glad I only played one night of Overwatch. <laughs> uh yeah so then um which, uh, yeah i can't believe i almost even completely forgot overwatch but basically like yeah like batman arkham knight was like i still i really like that game still it has a million problems wrong with it that i kind of realized like, at the time i remember playing it i got to like 97 percent completion in like three days because all i did wow. was just sit i just sat there and just like played for like hours and hours and hours and i was just like mm-hmm. oh man i love this and um it did that thing where like I basically played through the entire game and was like, this is a great game. I like it because people are crazy. And then I got to the Arkham Knight tank battle, which is like, <laughs> there's another, there's a tank battle earlier. Then there's the Arkham Knight tank battle. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I'm like, I don't really like this, but whatever. And then you and then it has that weird ending. And then it's like to get the re, to get the true ending, finish side, mm-hmm. side, finish five <laughs> side missions. Yeah. And, and get all of the, the 270, riddler trophies yeah so that's like the, that's the next step is because like you okay. can if you don't finish, have enough side missions done and you beat it and you do five side missions it gives you half of the true ending yeah. and then it kicks you back out and it's like now do all the side missions and get the full to get the real ending and i'm like so that was kind of annoying <laughs> and i was like but at the time i was like i'm gonna do all these side missions anyway so it doesn't matter and doing the riddler side missions i enjoyed them because it's just puzzles racing and like beating uh, up people in rooms but i was like oh, I was like, they're doing something different with the Riddler. Like, they're actually doing Riddler things. Like, I enjoy this. This is fun. And then on the last side mission for the Riddler, when you're fighting the Riddler, he, like, throws up a force field and is like, you want to fight me? Go get all my Riddler trophies. And I, like, I flipped my fucking coffee table over. I was so goddamn angry. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was like, I was waiting for that. I was like, yeah, they did that for, like, a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, and then it's like, oh, but for the last hundred and fifty Riddler trophies, that's all you're doing. It's just getting yeah. those stupid trophies. But it's not just the Riddler trophies. You need the trophies. You need to do the riddles. You need to fucking yeah. throw the throw the boomerang into inmates 
And then you also need to then you also need to do his breakable objects because for whatever the part of the Riddler's master plan is to go put breakable objects on buildings for no reason. Yeah, yeah, that was a. Uh, I remember Cat um, uh, at the time would like I would I would just be playing through that game just nonstop, and she like she was enjoying the story as I was playing through the story of that game. Uh, she enjoyed like watching that, and then she would just be like. Like oh you're still playing this like I'm like yeah I'm I'm working through all the Riddler trophies and and like it would be like daily check-ins of like how far I'd gotten and it was so depressing being like I only got like thirty trophies in the like three hours I was playing it tonight I'm sorry I'm sorry I should have dedicated like more of that time to hanging out with you yeah. <laughs> oops the um, one that I I tried but the one that broke me is the one where you have to shoot all the question marks before they they like turn off oh yeah I those yeah. those are a pain in the ass. That was the one that broke me. And then the other thing, the last thing that pissed me off about Arkham Knight was the Deathstroke fight. Yeah. Because you basically, like, he does the thing where, like, you're talking to Deathstroke and you're, like, taunting him on the mics. And then he, like, shows up and you're, like, and he's, like, Alfred, raise the bridges. And he's, like, he's not getting out of here. And then it's just the same goddamn fucking tank battle that you do mm-hmm. with the Arkham Knight. Yeah. It's, it's the, like, the stealth combat of yeah. with, the, with the Batmobile. Yeah. And it's just, like, goddamn it. Like I'm, I'm kind of angry talking about it. Like that game, That's, like left, like I went from liking that game a lot to like having all these problems with it. And I still know it's like it's an alright game, but like all that fucking bullshit. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it was it was okay. Like, and it's we we, it, we like we enjoy those of us that enjoyed um, uh, Asylum and City and even Origins. Mm-hmm. Like we gave them the message to just pepper that damn game with with those Riddler trophies because shit we'll go ahead and collect them sure why not these riddles yeah. are fun doing these little puzzles are fun oh but you threw 270 in there yeah that's like 150 too many yeah it's like it's like uh it's like 200 and 20 too many and then like one of the things that pissed me off on it was like they wouldn't like it what they weren't unlocked like that with you mentioned the uh, like you had to you had to find the uh, the inmates and get them oh, like yeah. freed st- or uh, like fig- find the green inmates to like unlock things like though they wouldn't unlock so I'm like I've done every one in this area but it's still saying that like it's still saying there's five more things in this area why can't I find a guy that tells me where they are what the f-? and it was like. So it wasn't until, like, I progressed to a certain point in the game that, like, suddenly a green guy would pop up. And I was like, fuck this. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the, like, fuck that game for being for that shit. Yeah, exactly. Like like you said, it's it's a good game. It's an okay game that got ruined by the collectathon that it became. Uh, Yeah. And and it was, it's the kind of, like, if the Riddler trophies and the Riddler, like if, if you had gotten, if you would have been able to get the real ending with every side mission, except one, mm-hmm. I think people would look at that game so more, so much more fondly than they do. But because you locked away the true ending behind 270 Riddler trophies, yeah, people are, are pissed like we are. So yeah, good times. All right. Any other, any other last, uh, last games or are we good to dive into your favorite game which is a noticeable absence um, you want to talk about some of the other games that we talked that that we touched on that that are not that did not make the cut of your 
your favorite game that we're going to talk about? I mean, yeah. uh, like you you mentioned, uh, and and we'll we, we can talk about it a little bit. Persona Four Golden. You mentioned you put mm-hmm. hundred hours into it, which would be your actual favorite game. But Alex O'Neill snatched that one up a couple <laughs> weeks ago, and we didn't want to rehash that that, that yeah, same yeah. territory. I like I watched that topic and I was like, and then when you asked me to do it, I was like, well, Alex stole my favorite game, but also I'm like, Alex can talk about it a lot more eloquently than I can. So I was like, I'm gonna let Alex have that one. That's that's fair. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a solid game, so it's a it's a it's a great choice for a favorite game. I actually recently just started calling it my favorite game because like after I played it, I knew like I did I've never had like a definitive list of like these are my favorite games. But I was like, after I played Persona 4 Gold, and I was like, I don't have one, but this would be on it. And so after forever of just saying stuff like that, somebody at one point was just like, well, if you just say that, but you don't know what else is on the list, why isn't that just number one? And I was like, that's a fairly good point. Like, when you think of your favorite games, and that's the one that comes to mind. And I'm like, that should just be number one. Yeah. So I was like, that's number one. Solid entry. So real real quick, kind of Cliff's notes on what are are the standouts for you on Persona 4 Gold, and why is that... um, uh, why is that your favorite? And then we'll dive into uh, maybe what your 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 favorite game is for the purposes of this show. Yeah, I know. Uh, so basically, like, I just kind of love, like, honestly, I do think I really love everything about it. Like, I fucking love those characters to death. Like, I, when, spoilers for Persona 4 Golden, but when Nanako's in the, like, the hospital bed at the end, like, I hadn't looked up anything about the game up until that point. Mm-hmm. And even if I had problems with stuff, I was just like, and I was like, I was like, she, I was like, this fucking little girl's not going to die. And I'm like, I'm going to pick these right dialogue options. So I like went and looked up and that's how I figured out how to do like the true ending. So that's why I got the true ending my first uh, playthrough. So so that is one where you like went out of your way to spoil that for yourself. So you could, so you so it's the same stress thing. Yeah. Like I I did the same thing. I was like, Nanako cannot die. I was like, not on my watch. I don't know if that's one of the options of this, but nope. Yeah, and then she and then I remember, dude. Like she, there's that part where she like dies, and then she like comes back later, and I just remember being like, I followed the fucking guy. Like, she died, <laughs> and I'm just like, Ugh. so yeah. But like, I love those characters to death, and they like honestly probably are some of my favorite characters in gaming. And I also the gameplay of that game is also just fucking amazing. Yeah, and it's just like, and I even like I did a second. So at the end of my first run, I was at like 55 hours, and I just like. And uh, I remember that feeling of like when you you're on the train, and I still think about it sometimes. I think about that like the persona music, you know, it's like the keys, and it's like mm-hmm. dun dun dun, and like the train's just like taking off. And I just like I think about that sometimes, and I'm like I'm sad now. <laughs> and yeah. I was just like, and like I definitely have that feeling too of like when he's like he, when you have to when you has to get back and like go back to his own, uh, his like he has to leave the town because he's just like he's just staying there, and it's just like, and I'm just like I don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and you can probably, it's probably the same feeling that he has. Like, he's like, I don't want to leave, but I have to. And they're like, and then you're on the train and they're like, it's over. Yeah. And then it's just like, and then in my second playthrough, I like saw basically, I followed a guide. So I saw everything the game has to offer, basically. Like I saw the golden ending. I saw all the, I got all the uh, social links. And so like, I basically just did everything I didn't do the first time. And so I need to do, I need to do one more cleanup thing where I get three trophies and I'll have the platinum. (laughs) That's because you... You fucked up on one of the books, right? Yeah, so the first time I played, <laughs> I was like, I read all the books because they give you like those charisma boosts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's the one thing where you, with like the sports guys, you, uh, you have to like talk to them and one of them will give you the math book and you have to pick the right dialogue options. And one of the, the dialogue options I picked was like, no, nah, fuck math, math is stupid. So I never mm-hmm. got that book. 
then when following the guide, it's like, oh, well, if you pick soccer, they'll just give you the book, but you need to be a high enough social rank. And I was like one below that, or like yeah. the social link. I was at five and you need to be at six. And I was like the one point away from leveling up to six, but I fucked up. So I'm like, now nah, I need to do the books again. Yeah, that's the, uh, I, I, de- I did the same thing. I followed a guide like my second time through in that game to try and do all that. Uh, and the the one the one trophy I'm missing from that entire game, keeping me from the platinum, is the hardcore resale fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't have the patience to try and to try and like track that one down and and do yeah. it. I, like, because I would just be so mad if I played it through again and still didn't get that trophy. Yeah. So I'm like, nah, nope. I like I'm just gonna maybe maybe someday if like this turns into like an actual like full job or something where I can I can just like dedicate time to playing that old game but nope I it not 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 nowadays now I'm just gonna be like that's the one that got away yeah I mean that's it's fair I'm gonna try for it but it's fair if like anyone who's like I don't have that trophy it's like it's understandable yeah yeah and so let's talk about your uh, the other runner-up um real quick before we dive into your favorite game uh Chrono Trigger you mentioned Mm-hmm. So when did you so, come into Chrono Trigger? Did you play it back on the original SNES? Mm-hmm. I played okay. the SNES version at a friend's house. I think it might have been. It was like a neighbor or something. Like it definitely like it wasn't like as I mentioned before. My sisters didn't play games. They didn't have Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. But I basically I played through it in like a weekend, just in like these huge like long sittings. And it just like I don't remember a lot of the game, and like people will when I talk about Chrono Trigger, people will be like, "Oh, in this character," and I'm like, "I don't remember character names, like I don't remember different things." But it like it had such an impact on me though, and like the way the story goes, and I like like I always call back to when you're at like the the fair, or, like the carnival, and the mm-hmm. actions and the things you do at that fair, and like when she, that girl like trips and like the watch like falls out, and if you go talk to her and like see if she's okay, or if you pick up the watch. And then when you go to the trial, people will yeah. talk about you differently based on what you did. Mm-hmm. And I also remember too, like there's a the part where Chrono dies and like you can go back and get him, but I finished the game without ever doing that because I didn't know you could do that. Okay. Yeah, so like you can finish the game without yeah. Chrono yep. or you can go back and save him because the whole the part of the game is like time travel. And it, I just like, I finished the game without doing that. And it's just like, and you can also like the first time you encounter the big bad boss, if you're on like new game plus, you can beat him right there. And the game's like 15 hours shorter. Yep. And I don't know. I just think the, I think the world's cool and like the story's amazing. And it's just so cool that it has like all these different touches of like different things that your actions affect the story mm-hmm. and like the things that happen in the game. And it also has like different outcomes. And it was just like, it kind of blew my mind. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I came into it. I didn't come into it until um, the DS version of the game. Um, like I had it, I had it as like a PS as a PlayStation uh, on a PlayStation disc because it came with like was it like Final Fantasy IV? There was like Final Fantasy Anthology or something like that. One of those, one of the Final Fantasy collections on PlayStation was four and Chrono Trigger, and I bought it for four. Um, and Chrono Trigger was just one of those games where I had heard about it, but I never, I never played it. And then I played it a little bit on PlayStation, but like, as with a lot of those games on the on the disc, um, like the loads become a little troublesome or like time consuming and and just a little like more of a headache than they were worth mm-hmm. for me. Um, so when it came to to the DS, I picked it up and played through it, and yeah, like I experienced all that same stuff. Where it was like, this is really like because it was. 
I was playing at a point in time where if anything had been spoiled for me, it had long since left my memory as to like what any of that like would have meant. So I'm playing through it and, uh, and yeah, having kind of all those same moments where, Oh, this thing that I did came back to bite me in the ass. Um, uh, the, the big thing I always remember too, and spoilers for Chrono Trigger was, um, I think, I think Cam and I talked about this last week too. And I, I, did, I didn't do spoilers for it for then, but, um, uh, you fight the, the, like the Magus guy, the big, like bad boss. Who's like being a pain in the ass the whole time. And like, it gives you like a dialogue prompt of like, do you want to finish him? I was like, hell yes, I want to finish him. He's been a pain in my ass this entire game. And it wasn't until later where I found I was like, oh, I could have said no and he would have joined my party. Well, that's fucking annoying because turns out he's really strong. <laughs> and so it would have been like really nice to have that kind of guy. And and so, yeah, I pl- like just like you played through it and, and, and beat the game without Chrono, I played through it and beat the game without Magus and, to, and then went back and like in a new game plus learned that I could do that and and uh, and did and so it's yeah that that game was definitely ahead of its time in terms of like all the permutations of all the different endings you could get in that game um yeah great characters great gameplay um the one thing i hate about it um and i just don't understand why it's like a design choice and they did the same thing with i am setsuna recently um if you're going to make a game based where like combat moves are based around like your positioning on the map uh, or in, like in the in the arena like the x strike and stuff like that like make it so you can actually control what the characters are where the characters are and it's not just mm. random completely randomized that always pissed me off but whatever <laughs> it's a, it's a like small thing in the in the grand scheme of that game mm. all right well uh, any any last thoughts on your gaming history that you want to kind of touch on or, or oh. ready to dive into Favorite, one Frank Frank Bazzani's favorite game. One really stupid one I wanted to bring up based on a conversation we had. Uh, the when I uh, I forget. Oh, it was like right before I left for Arizona, and we were talking about. I was telling Austin, you about you that. Mean, oh yeah, right, yeah. Uh, right before I left Arizona to come to Austin, mm-hmm. and uh, I was telling you about that dirt bike game that I used to play on the GameCube. Okay. I just wanted to tell that story because I don't know why I was thinking about it, but. I used to play this, like, back when I used to play, like, in the 2000s were all about, like, extreme sports games. If you couldn't tell about how much I talked about Tony Hawk and Need for Speed. Mm -hmm. And um, so I used to play this dirt bike game, and all I remembered was I used to rent it from Blockbuster. And I used to just rent the same game, like, all the time, over and over again. And all I remember, when I tried, I tried to buy it when I was buying all those GameCube games, and I could never remember what it was called, and I couldn't find it online anywhere. And all I remembered was it has an orange cover with, like, a dude on a dirt bike on it. And I vaguely remember, like, a, one or two of the levels and how you could, like, smash through glass and you could, like, hit, your biker would, like, hit people. And I was like, so I eventually, like, a year ago when I was buying old games and I was kind of, like, looking into them, I randomly stumbled across, like, a video review on YouTube of a game. And it was a, the thumbnail was, like, an orange guy cover with, like, a guy on a dirt bike. And I was like, that looks like that game. And I started watching it and I was like, this is the game. And I was like, oh my God. And it like blew my mind. And that game, and the reason I haven't said the title is because it's called Freak Style. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I would have been able to like pull that together, pull it out of my ass on like, oh, it was that BMX game called Freak Style. Yep. Yeah. That's probably, probably not would have been, uh, would have just been lost to the annals of time. Yeah, it's just like as, it was, as there are some where I'm like, 
I definitely there are definitely games where I'm like I remember I remember this game. I couldn't tell you what the box looked like. I couldn't tell you a name of the game. They're just they're out there. I'm like if I were to play it again, I'd be like, "Yes, this is that thing." Like there's one um uh specifically that I remember from like like it was a Mac game that we played in school growing up um and you were like it's like a shareware game and uh but it was like it was also like a LAN network game so you you were flying around a spaceship it was it's like like it's it's it was more of a like a, a, a there was more to do in this game than I think there was in No Man's Sky but it was like you were flying around in a little spaceship and uh and you would like you could trade you could fight pirates in the game you could like shoot your shoot your like your like in my case my classmates I could shoot them and like destroy their ship and I would get money for doing that and it was all about like upgrading your ship and uh and like getting more um more inventory more so you could like transfer more stuff couldn't tell you the name of that game i heard about it on like i was listening to the indoor kids like a year ago and somebody was talking about the game and he said it and i tweeted him out i was like oh my god this is the game that's been like haunting my head for years and then uh and and it, like it lasted a day and then it's all gone now i'd have to go and dig up that tweet if i wanted to really figure out which game it was <laughs> so i'm like ah. So I totally understand that that experience. All right. Anything so else? I, I actually I went I I bought that game. I found you, it online. You, you I brought, bought, you it. bought it. Freak style. You added, mm-hmm. it, added I, it back into your collection. Yep, I did. I put it on the shelf next to my GameCube games. I played it for a little while because I wanted to kind of play it, fuck around with it. Not a good game. It controls uh-huh. very, controls very badly, and also I can't figure out how to get past the first level. Like. <laughs> There's like there's one stadium, one race. Like you have like it's like a because it's like that game where you have to unlock everything, but I can't figure out how to not like unlock anything and not just replay the same racetrack over and over again. That's that's problematic. Yeah, and that's why I only played it for like an hour and I put it down, and that's probably the end of Freak Style. Like that ten years of trying to figure out what Freak Style is called. <laughs> All right, topic two. As always on Trove Talk, tell me about your favorite game, Frank, or at least your favorite game that we're calling your favorite game for the purposes of this episode. So basically how I was talking about with Persona 4 Golden and how like when, oh, it came to mind. So that must be like, that should be number one is when you were, when I was like, I can't do Persona 4 Golden, this came to mind. So that would be Mass Effect 2. Mm-hmm. Even though, like you were mentioned before, we decidedly never mentioned Mass Effect during the entire other conversation. It's the same thing we did with uh, with Cam because we don't want to. It's it's you don't want to you don't want to tease it and then come back to it later. It makes sense. It makes because we're gonna devote. We we talked. We had two hours to talk about everything else. Now we're gonna devote some time specifically to Mass Effect. Um, give it its give it its due as your favorite game, um, and it's a solid. It's an excellent choice. Had, uh, so how did you? So Mass Effect Two, um, you were you had a 360, so you had access to the first Mass Effect, because um, Mass Effect Two was my introduction to the series, and uh, on as a PlayStation kid. Um, so had you played the first one, and then you like Mass Effect Two just does everything better, or did you come into Mass Effect Two? I came in with uh, Mass Effect Two. Okay, and it was about the time that Mass Effect Three was coming out. 
And I think that probably influenced my decision to like seeing all like the pre-release stuff from Mass Effect 3 and being like, well, this looks really cool. So like I can't jump like I could have jumped in at three. But at the time, I like I went back and looked up reviews for back on the G4TV.com. I looked up the reviews for Mass Effect uh, 1 and being like, wow, this is very outdated and being like, I don't know if I want to play this. And then seeing Mass Effect 2 and being like, this game looks amazing. Mm hmm. And so, like, just, like, I also, I remember hearing people, like, how you mentioned the Indoor Kids. I used to also listen to the Indoor Kids. Okay. Which is funny that it never came up in any of our other conversations. <laughs> I I listened to them for, like, the, I listened to the Indoor Kids and, like, a lot of other things on the Nerds Network for, I don't know, like, a couple months there. And then kind of funny branched off and did their own thing. And that basically became, like, where all of my podcast time goes to. Mm-hmm. So I I haven't listened to Indoor Kids probably like since like that episode or something um yeah it's been it's been like a year and a half since i've really listened to any of those any of those shows so like they were uh they were mass effect fans and i think that also influenced my decision too because i remember them saying too like i specifically remember them saying oh well you we didn't play one but we jumped in it too but you get like when you buy two you get like a comic book that lets mm-hmm. you like pick your decisions for mass effect one and explain the story so I was like, all right, cool. So I got two. I jumped in it too. But unlike if you just buy the 360 version of two, you don't get that like comic book. That's yeah, like that was a PS3 thing or your yeah, DLC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you can get it from the Xbox Live store, but that's like it's like you have to like pay for that. Mm. So at the time I was like, fuck, well, I'm just gonna play this game. <laughs> so for a while there, I definitely had no idea what the fuck was going on. And like like <laughs> I love how parallel our stories are because I I got it on the PS3 and I so I did get the comic, but this was before my PS3 was like connected to the internet, mm-hmm. at which it needed to be to to like download that DLC for the comic. So I was in the same boat. It was like oh, like I knew I should have had that option, but I didn't. So okay, I guess I'm just gonna be stuck yeah, with yeah. whatever choices it made. <laughs> Yeah, I had the same thing where I remember playing it being like, just starting and being like, all right, well, it didn't give me the comic, but whatever. Like, we'll just play this. It seems cool. And uh, I also forgot the part two where I downloaded the demo for Mass Effect 2. And okay. it, it basically, it lets you play, I forget the first mission it lets you play, and then it lets you play the mission where you, like, break Jack out of the prison. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the demo. And I remember at the time being like, well, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. And uh, so then I like that's when I got in. I got into two, and I also remember specifically being really confused why because that Jack mission is like halfway through the game. Like that Jack mission is, or like it's not maybe not halfway, but it's farther into the game. It's not one yeah. of the first. It's not the first mission of the game. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I remember going through and playing it, and then just like at the time, not knowing a lot, but just being so like immersed in the world because like there's such a world, and I like the characters you get to like meet on the ship as you're going through as you build your like suicide squad and like you though and you're picking up all like the codexes like off the ground and like reading about stuff and it's like and then you do their like you do their loyalty missions and it's just i don't know if we want to get too like far ahead all at once but i mean we yeah like it's this is the mass effect 2 portion of of the show so yeah we can talk about it kind of in in whichever sense uh you want so like you want to jump on any one of those kind of things for like you mentioned the codex which is an interesting one that i want to i want to ask about um because i definitely got nerdy and like would go through and read like all of the like the lore stuff especially because i was coming in blind like you were um so yeah i was like i would i would eat up that stuff to see if there was like if i could get a better understanding of what 
like had gone on in a previous in the previous game. Um, but I know that like many people like those they just like they never open up those codex things. So what was your experience with that? Well, it was basically the same as yours because every time you open the pause menu or whatever, it's like codex and it says like new. Yeah. And so kind of the OCD thing a lot of people do is like clear it. But I was like, I would go through and literally just read the codex. And mm-hmm. I specifically remember like I was just there reading a fictional book. And then like I would just look up and like it's been 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just reading a fictional book on like uh, on like the Krogans. And I'm just like in their like history. And I think that definitely I do think helped me fill in the information about the world and like inform- any info I needed. And because I didn't also I did the same thing kind of like with I don't usually look up stuff about games that often or like while I'm playing them. So like I jumped into Mass Effect 2. I didn't go Google like, all right, what are the Krogans? Or like, what was the story of Mass Effect 1? Like I just kind of played it. Mm-hmm. And so the codex, I think, definitely helped me get through my way as well as just kind of picking up things as you go through the story. Because like by the time I, well, that's a, I'll get to that when we get to the end. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, the codex is interesting. So yeah, I mean, coming in, coming in blind, uh, well, I, like, were you male Shep or Fem Shep? I just use the straight up default Shepherd. Like you just, just use the, male. the, the straight. Yeah. yeah, that's I. I think I probably did too. Like the first time around, because I I am always horrible with like character creator. If anything, like I'll just be like, okay, I'm just gonna change the hair and make it like bigger and poofier. Yeah, so it's a little bit more like me. <laughs> um, See, that's that's what I did in Fallout. Like Fallout has all those options, and I just like gave him a beard, and I was like, done. Yep, perfect, excellent, nailed it. Um, so, uh, so you weren't too worried about like the character customization. Uh, what did you think? I mean, did like the the opening of the game have any kind of impact on you, where you basically you die and it's like, oh, oh, like you realize after the fact, um, oh, this is how they're going to like erase all of the progress yeah. of the character from the first game. Um, but it's like uh, this. I have like I don't have forty hours with this character behind me, so. Like this isn't as devastating as it, I think it is to people who had played uh, the original. Um, how did you kind of approach that uh, that opening sequence? It was basically like uh, kind of like what you were saying is just like it was like that happened. <laughs> yep. And Oops. It's, yeah, it's just like it's just like you the laser beam is like tearing through it. And I remember being like, "This is cool," and the graphics on this are really awesome. And like you're floating through space, and like pieces are like flying by. And I'm just like, yeah, this is really cool. And then you have that conversation with who I didn't know at the time, like Ashley. And she's like, oh, like, I want to go with you. And he, like, pushes her into the escape pod, like, kind of, like, classic sci-fi style and, like, hits eject and she, like, flies away. And then he dies. And, but I was never, I wasn't, like, devastated. I was just like, all that happened. <laughs> yeah. Was, and then it goes into, like, the, like, the rebuilding him from, mm-hmm. from scratch. And I was like, yeah, that was, that, like, and that, even that, like, that's a cool sequence, and like the, like, I, I, I can, I'm getting flashes of like the video of like the, the cells and stuff, and the blood being like re, like reprocessed and rebuilt. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, like, yeah, it was the same kind of thing where I was like, I don't know who, like, who this Ashley person is, um, or Liara or Joker. Like, I had no, no, uh, like previous. Um, like affinity for any of them. So I'm like, okay, they were just like nameless crew members to me until like you, you learn about them through the, the future of the game where it's like, Oh, okay. So this is a person who was in your crew from the last game out. I guess that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, Yeah. And kind of like when uh, they unveil the like Normandy SR two, 
mm-hmm. and they're like the jokers there and they're like talking to him and like the cutscene, and he's like oh my god and he's like joker they got you and he's like yeah they needed a pilot for the normandy so like of course they got me and i'm like i guess this guy's from the other game yeah i was like oh seth green you're along for the ride that's cool i'm a, yeah. I'm a robot chicken fan hooray <laughs> um yeah it was a uh, it was and and like there would be you would have like prompts in like conversations where it was like ask about former crew members and i'd be like okay sure because i don't know who any of these people were so tell me a little bit about them it's like when like so yeah the beginning of that game when like um you get garris like i had i had no like connection to garris at all so it was like it was like whereas like now that I've gone through, because I, I played through that game, and then I went and bought, like, the first one on PC, and so I went through, so I had, like, a sense of the, of what happened in the in the first game. And then eventually, when, like, all three of them were on PlayStation, I went through and, like, did a Paragon run. I did a Renegade run of, of all three games, because um, those are really all great games. Um it was definitely like I had a much better appreciation. Whereas now I look back and that first time I played through it and I'm like, Oh, this sniper guy is like a friend. Neat. Okay, cool. And, and his face is blown up. Okay. I, I, I mean, he, he looks kind of like a freak anyway. So I, is I like, is this different? Did like, is his face blown up or does he just look like that? Oh, he, he is a little bit blown up. Okay, sure. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, had that was, like, I had that thing with Garrus where, like, I didn't have the previous attachment to Garrus, but I would, like, that whole mission with him where he's there, like, we're looking for Archangel. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this guy? I was like, this guy's fucking dope. I oh, man, like, yeah. I like, like, I like this guy. He's still immediately a badass, but, yeah. like, you, you don't have the history of his badassery from the from the previous game. I, was, I didn't do that uh, thing where I was like, <gasps> well, he, like, takes off the helmet, and you're like, I wasn't like, <gasps> it's Garrus. But I was yeah. like, I was like, this guy's fucking dope. It was one of those. It, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, like the way this has been shot cinematically, I get that this is like a an important reveal, and and I can deduce that oh, this is a guy that I apparently knew. Um, so yeah, it, it. But like, yeah, I wasn't like I didn't connect the dots in that initial playthrough when I'm talking to the elusive man and like, tell me about Garrus, what's he up to? And and he's like, oh, we don't know, he fell off the radar, and then like. Archangel is Garrus. It was like, oh, okay. Now it makes sense that you were talking about him and and this guy, and they're the same guy. Um, but yeah, it was it was like, yeah, a lot of that stuff gets lost on you the first time you're playing it. If if uh, if like this is your first introduction to Mass Effect, did you ever? So re- before we before we dive in further, did you ever go back and play the first game? Yeah, I did. Uh, okay. It was after actually after I beat three. A little bit later, then I went back to one. And it was kind of interesting, too, because instead of being like, I basically, all the decisions that are made for you in Mass Effect 2, I basically just picked the opposite decisions. Uh-huh. I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting like way to play it where I'm like, well, I guess technically I did it this way once. So since I'm playing it, I'll do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's one of the one of the biggest things that sucks about the like the default choices in 2, I think, is is that Rex doesn't survive. And so you yeah. don't like you never get him as a, like as the cool badass character that he is throughout the rest of the games if you just stick with that. So yeah, it was that was definitely one of the things I was excited to to get in like the full my full canon playthroughs. I was like even when I'm playing like Renegade and like the Renegade decision might be like to kill off Rex. I was like no fuck that I'm not doing that. Like Rex is gonna stick around. I'm just gonna be a, a piece of shit everywhere else. <laughs> 
So I usually do the thing where I always play I always play Paragon. Mm-hmm. And uh that's just I usually I'm usually the good guy in games. And so I know the point of Mass Effect 2 is also to be like, oh we'll do the Renegade playthrough. And I've always just like I continue just to pick the Paragon options. Mm-hmm. And uh my thing too, but I'm like uh, how you're saying, like, oh, I'm the bad guy, but then like when it comes to saving Rex, like I'll be the good guy. I'm like I'm the good guy until it comes to some shit like that. Not necessarily, not necessarily killing Rex, but there's some just like in the end of Mass Effect 3, when uh, I forget whatever the fucking assassin's name is, he like comes up behind you and you have the uh, renegade break to like kill him. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm a good guy, but when shit needs to get done, I'm just like, I'm gonna, I'm like, I'm gonna kill this guy. Well, that's, I mean, the, so like one of the, uh, yeah, those, those kinds of prompts, the, the little like R2, L2, like renegade or paragon triggers, I didn't realize that those were like, like the first time I'm playing it, I was like, I was just doing all of them. So I didn't realize that like, I was upping my renegade score when I when I would like shoot down a canister and drop it on somebody's head or something like that. I, but I would still do all of them because I was like, "That's a cool scene." I didn't want to miss out on that scene happening. Um, so yeah, but it was it, it, like, so yeah, th- that was that would kind of be like the exception to the rule where I would be like, "Okay, for this session, I'm going to play everything through Paragon, but I'm going to still do all those renegade prompts because those are fun little extra." bits of scenes that I get that um, you know you could you can do it the other way and see how it plays out without you intervening um, but yeah I was like no I'd rather I'd rather like yeah fuck that guy up because he was a dick no yeah I definitely did that. I definitely remember too there's like the part where like you're, you're yelling at these like soldiers or whatever back and forth and they're on the platform and then that's like where you're saying you can like shoot the barrel and it'll fall and I'm like well I'm gonna fight these fucking guys anyways like I know this is gonna end up in a fight I might as well have the advantage yeah, exactly. Sounds like Renegade. Yeah, and then also the thing too. I remember when you're doing um, what's his face? Is I forget the um, the uh, you know like the green lizard guy, the guy that Thane. Thane? Yeah. yeah. Um, he when you're doing his loyalty mission and you do the good cop bad cop thing, uh-huh. I was like, I was like, of course I'll be good cop. I'm Paragon. And then the thing is like this: they're like, oh, the police, <laughs> the police are coming back. Like we need to do this. So like, you hit the Renegade break, and I like slam my arm down on his throat. <laughs> And I'm just like, give me the answers I want now. And he's like, I thought you were the good cop. And I'm <laughs> yeah. just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I did the same thing. I was like, oh, oops, I guess, yep, we're improvising, Thane. Just go with yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, like, I'm like, I need to get this done. I'm just yeah. like, yeah, like, I don't know. I love that. Yeah, but when I got introduced to the the breaks or like the R2 trigger things, it's like I was talking to the journalist on the Citadel. Uh-huh. And she asked me a question, and one of the, the renegade breaks popped up, and I thought it was like a quick time event. So I like I remember I'm sitting back, and I have the controller. I'm like, oh, and I like hit RT, and I just punch her in the face, and I was like, oh, what did I, just do? I know I was like, what the fuck did I just do? I did the same thing. Which and then like when you find out like or when you go back and play the first game, um, you, you realize that that could have been your interaction with her. So you can you can like if you do the full renegade run through all three games, it's like you just punch her every game. <laughs> And she like even in in uh, I think I don't remember if it's in the second one um, or the third one, but like in one of them, if you punched her before, she like she ducks and she, like she knows it's coming at this point. Yeah, I think that's the third one. Yeah, I, th- I think so as well. And uh, <laughs> but but you still get her, you still clock her. <laughs> so yeah, that was yeah, like screw that lady and and her uh, her trying to always make you look bad. Yeah, so, so then you actually become real bad and punch her in the face. Yeah, I just like yeah, I, uh, 
the other thing I love, like I love too, like I love the loyalty missions and how each character has basically their own mission that's just like their story and like that tells you about them and then they'll like they'll help you out and like like Jack you you go back to like where she was orphaned and where she got her like biotic powers where they were like experimenting on kids. Yeah. And like Miranda, you go help her sister who's like um I kind of forget what that one's about, but it's like you're looking for her sister who like the and you're trying to avoid her from being found by the dad. That's like yeah, because they're I both mean, yeah, they're, like they're both they're both clones, um, so they're sisters in that like that weird sense. Um, and yeah, it was it, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, like that's the gist of it that you're just trying to save her from from the the dad that like cloned her, um, and yeah, Miranda uh, appreciate like it, you. I mean, you have to go to Ilium, mm-hmm. uh, and like you you talk to somebody there and they take you off to the yeah I, I i loved all of those those uh those stories like the because they were very like self-contained um and each one kind of i mean some of them were like a little tropey and cliche but like sci-fi cliche kind of stuff um uh like the the orphaned um kid who got superpowers kind of thing like i feel like i've seen that story um in other media as well, but it was still fun to kind of get to play it out the way you wanted to play it out to a degree. Um, so yeah, like I, I definitely appreciated all of those loyalty missions as well. Did I you, think I also, uh, I, I think I also, say, just, oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, did the, uh, did you do all of them the first time through and like, and succeed in, in doing them? I did all of them and I succeeded in all of them except for, Samara's you have to do a particular way to get it and so I think I failed that one and then Jack's I got but when you her and Miranda are fighting mm-hmm. and you side with Miranda you lose hers and I wasn't you need to be at like a hundred percent Paragon to get her back yeah that's I that was I ran into that that was my problem my first my first playthrough so she was like the one that did not survive the suicide mission and I was like what no 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 and uh, like, where, where could I have gone? Like, where could I fix this? And then I found out that exact same thing. I was like, well, fuck. All right, playing all over again. And now I'm doing everything Paragon. Because yeah, I mean, it, it, like, that first playthrough was, um, it wasn't about like going full Paragon or going full Renegade. It was like, okay, I'm going to like make a decision in the moment, not realizing that I was in, in something like that. I was kind of being like, penalized if i wasn't doing full paragon or full renegade um so that like that's that like that was like the first one of those kinds of games that like introduced that style to me so i was like okay well now i know to just do an all or nothing like be be the the complete good guy or be the complete bad guy because being like in the middle ground in these kinds of games sometimes like screws you over like that yeah, see, like, I wasn't in the middle ground, but I was, like, I usually was, like, picking all the good guy things most of the time. Yeah. But it definitely became the thing of, like, I would pick whatever dialogue I wanted, and then what I when I found out later was, like, the top dialogue is good and, like, the bottom dialogue is bad. So it's, yeah. like, pick everything you can good to get to 100% so that yeah. then you're able to be, like, you're able to get all these extra options and, like, play the game differently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The same, same, same for me. It was, like, I had, like... Hers was the only Paragon check that I didn't pass um, to try and get like her back on my side, um, uh, and and so I was like, well, I 
I don't have, there's nothing else I can do to raise my Paragon level at this point in the game. So I guess screw it. I, I'm, I'm, she's going to die for this game. And I'm going to, when I play through in new game plus on and do a harder version of it or something, I will know better. Um, so yeah, I mean that like, I appreciated that definitely like the replayability of that game and, and getting to maybe try and do other things or, or like explore experiment with like other characters that maybe I hadn't played with so much in the in my first playthrough. What like who was your kind of go to team? Do you remember? Yeah, usually I always brought Garrus with me no matter what. And then usually if we if we were going to be doing a lot of fighting, I would bring Grunt because he's like a super tanky like kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, or I would bring Miranda because mm-hmm. like yeah, Garrus and Miranda are like my favorite characters, so I yeah. would usually just bring them with me. Yeah, I think I was the same way. Like I remember, I remember being so excited because I'm a huge fan of Chuck, and so between Fallout New Vegas and uh, and Mass Effect Two, I like, I just loved that for like that uh, three months or whatever. I was I had I had uh, Zach Levy going along as one of my companions in one game, and then I had uh, Ivan Strahovski as Miranda in in this one. I was like, yay! Like everybody from Chuck is is just making my day in all of these games. This is awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely had that. And yeah, I think I, I imagine um, j- I was probably the same way. Cause like Miranda was definitely who I like romanced the first time out and, and Garrus was just like badass sniper. So yeah, exactly. I want him around. Yeah. Like Garrus is just like, so he's just like badass and he's like, I'm like, and like, even in the story of the thing, he's like your best friend. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, and then Miranda was my, also my romance thing too. And I was like, in yeah, and then even in three, I didn't romance anyone else. And you have that option where you talk to Miranda, and she's like, "Are we still like a thing?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah, we are." <laughs> and then yeah. she died, and I was very sad. Uh huh. Yeah. I need to do Mass Effect three again. I only played through it once, and I've always been wanting to go back and do it, especially more and more recently. Like, I want them to just do the fucking collection on PS four of the three of them with all the DLC, mm-hmm. and like that's just what I want so bad. And they keep toying with us where they're like we're not doing any like remasters and then they're like well if you want them and then they're like no we're not doing it yeah that's i mean the the first one i think especially is the is would would be the hardest one for them to actually remaster because like like it i mean you said it uh, earlier like that is so outdated and it was so outdated just even by the time like three was coming out um that it just it would be really hard to not to to leave it kind of as it was um, and not bring it up to the same kind of level as two and three were. Um, but at the same time that like drastically changes that first game. Uh, so it would like, that's, that's where I think the the, uh, the biggest hangup probably is from a technical standpoint for them is like, how do we do that? Do we just do it? And people just by and large probably skip over the first game and dive right into two or, or do they try and, actually do a proper remaster of the first game and and uh, and go from there so yeah um one of the things i i loved that we we kind of touched on a little bit um but i loved another reason i love the loyalty missions is because they forced me to play with a character that mm-hmm. i maybe hadn't played and so i it 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 gave me the opportunity to get their story um that i, I otherwise might might have been like, oh yeah, I'm I, like I don't really I don't really use Morden all that much, so I don't really need to do 
do anything with him, but getting to do his loyalty mission and stuff, it was like, oh, this like this is fun. I like this character. I'm still not necessarily going to use him in my party, but I love having that like that banter and that history with him and him singing his little Gilbert and Sullivan stuff on the ship. Um, it's definitely one of like the the humor in that game um, in those like small character driven ways is uh like bioware does that better than i think almost anybody else out there um between the mass effect games and like the dragon age games i love party conversations uh versus like compared to what i've experienced so far with like final fantasy 15 where i'm like oh god like these characters just it's just so wooden between all of them i don't feel like they're best friends or, or that they're like that they that they are like the bros or whatever um it, 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 like i wish bioware kind of like put their touch on that if that's what final fantasy is looking to do there so yeah, i think like i definitely um basically how we talked about persona for gold and the things i brought up were like oh it's like the story and the characters so I guess like even more so than I really realized when I'm until I was thinking about the stuff is like in games, like my favorite games, it's about like it has they have good stories and they have characters that like I adore. Mm-hmm. So I think I guess that's something that's even more important to me than I realized. And but that's like even when we're talking about is like I love these characters in the Mass Effect world so much. And like like Garrus, like you just have such an attachment to. And um Especially, too, like, I also just love the story in general of, like, they basically, like, Shepard's, like, revived and he has to work for these people that, like, he doesn't really want to. But then they, like, give him the packet and they're like, this is your squad to, like, get together. Like, you have to go find these people and put them together. And you have this, like, ragtag group. And then you finally, like, you go through that mass relay that no one's ever been through before. And you end up on the other side and you're, like, and there's just, like, trash and debris everywhere. And then, like... So like how you asked me too if I did the loyalty missions like I did all I did every side mission in the entire game before yeah. I did that final mission. Yeah. And I also had all the ship upgrades just cuz I didn't know what I was upgrading but it was like oh this slide cannons to the front of the ship and I was like that sounds cool. Yeah. And <laughs> so I did that and so cuz what's interesting too is that final mission has so many ways for every character to die. There's like legitimate flow charts. Yeah. of like how characters die. And it's like, if you don't upgrade the cannons, you can't shoot this debris out of the way. So Jack, well, the ship will get hit and like a pole will go through Jack. Mm-hmm. And it's just does different stuff like that. And I'm like, man, I'm like, this is so, I'm like, that's so cool. That And that whole final mission is kind of like amazing of like, you're con- like, you're breaking up into different groups and you have to like bring certain people with you certain places. And you have to like, you're the leader and you have to like delegate, like, you're like, all right, who has to go back to the ship? Like who has to bring these crew members back to the ship? And, like, who has to go through the vents and, like, hack things? And, like, who has to... What biotic person do we use to keep these shields up? And so that's why, like, the first time I did the final mission, everyone survived except for, I think, Samara died, I think. Okay. Or Samara or Jack. One of them, I think it was Samara, using their biotics, died. And then because they died, Garrus died. Mm. And I was like... And that's when that little thing I touched on earlier where I was like, oh, we'll talk about it later, is that's when I was like, when Garrus died and I beat that game, I was, like, kind of sitting there and I was like, well... Start time to start over, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, we're playing the entire game over again, and that's when I think I played like I played it like right, and I got like the good my thing. I was 100% Paragon. Everyone lived like I did all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like the ending yeah. of that is so cool. Yeah, it was it was the same for me because like I so the yeah the very first time I played it through, I didn't have Jack's loyalty on me anymore, and 
I pick like the wrong person to lead the other squad because like there's like they do that that there's that like fight between like Miranda and and Jacob or whatever mm-hmm. and like the to get it to pass it's like you pick Jacob or you pick Garris or something like that um, and I was like well Miranda's like been my she, like she's been there through with with me through thick and thin on this so like I have faith in her I think she can do it not knowing that like she's not one of the actual like past like she doesn't get the pass check on that if you pick her mm-hmm. so like yeah I think I lost like Jacob and I think I lost Jack in my first playthrough um, and I was like well that sucks because I like those people I mean they weren't my favorites of this group but like I didn't want anybody to die <laughs> so yeah I, would, I like I, I did the same thing where I immediately like dove back into the game and was like okay well now like now I'm gonna go online and figure out how to not fuck that up I think I even I think I did it like the first time I was like uh, okay, I'm gonna like I'm just gonna replay the, like the final mission, um, and that so I I was able to save Jacob in that case, but uh, because I didn't, that was where like we touched on earlier. I didn't ha- I didn't have anything I could do to save Jack at that at that point. So I was like, well, all right, now I know what to do next time. Um, yeah, and I, I mean I don't I don't begrudge that because it was it's still a great fun game to play, and I had a great time doing it again. Um, and I think I probably did like that immediate playthrough. I was like, and I'm going to have more fun and just be like renegade this time out. Um, you know, they're making a third one. I know they're making a third one. So when that third game comes out, I'll like, I'll want to revisit this anyway. And I'll have like my, my Canon Paragon playthrough there. And I'll have this Canon renegade playthrough that I can kind of carry it forward. And I also love the part in the final mission too, where like you, like in the classic movie fashion, you have that like when the ship is like parked or crashed or whatever, and you give the, they're all in like the conference room and like you give that speech to like everyone of like how you're going to go out there and like rescue mm-hmm. and save the world. And like you have to pick the like dialogue options. And then you have also have that same moment too, like after, I think it was like when you are in, when you do break off into two groups, and the ones have to like whole stay back and like make sure they don't break through the door, and like you have to go fight the like human uh, reaper thing, and you give that speech too, and I'm just like, oh, so fucking cool. Yeah, it was. And it was, then, uh, the, a very cinematic game. And then like the moment at the end too, where like you're like the platforms are falling, you run up the platform and jump into the ship, and you like mm-hmm. grab hands, and it's just like oh, so fucking good. Yeah, no, that's I mean that's definitely a, a like. All like the 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 suicide mission is like I think probably what makes that game um, like the the masterpiece that it it is and that that it stands the test of time as because um, it is like everything has culminated to this all of those things that you did are affecting like what happens in this sequence of this game um, uh, it, in ways that like that. I think people ended up getting disappointed in come uh, come Mass Effect Three because it feels like the bigger choices in that game don't really play into the end game as much. Um, so, it, whereas this one, it was like this is a self-contained story. Everything you're doing in here has greater repercussions in this in the universe that we're telling as well. But they all tie directly to how this final how your how your suicide mission is going to play out it was one of those i always wanted to like see how to go about doing it and making everybody die 
And so you get that ending that like only Joker survives the suicide mission that you mm. can't do anything with. But it was like, yeah. that's, like that's interesting that they allow that, and it's not a game over. I mean, it's it's kind of a game over, but like it gives you an ending for it instead of just a game over screen, and you have to then try it again. Well, did you uh, know about the other like game over ending where you can't even finish the game if like if you if you because you can get rid of Samara and pick her like you know the you remember the you other get, like daughter or whatever yeah yeah and then then if you like you sleep with the daughter you'll get like space like uh st oh, yeah. and you'll yeah, die like, yeah uh, well yeah I, I mean yeah you die you get like the immediate game over if you if you romance her because yeah she's just so like powerful yeah uh, or well I I like. Now I'm trying. Oh yeah, no, it is. It is like immediate game over. I was because I was trying to think. Like I think in like the dialogue options, you're like, no, I'm I'm Shepard. I can of course take this or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and so like, she's like, okay, well then we'll do it. And yeah, you you die. You get the game over. And it's like, oh well, I guess yeah, you can't. <laughs> you're like being Shepard. Yeah, you, like you you can't uh, like overpower this like weird magic Asari power that they that they have with their uh with their like black widow ness yeah yeah i'd forgotten about that and i just think it's so funny that like there's multiple ways to just like get a game over without like being having successful endings yeah or and or, and like a game over not caused by combat but because yeah. of your choices um yeah it's i mean that's that's like one of the rare instances of that in gaming um like I mean, like one of the other ones I can think of is like uh, Arkham City, where like when you're playing the Catwoman sequence, if you go like and just leave, it's like I did, I yeah. did that the first time. Yeah, I did I it too because I, I had heard about the Easter egg of it, so I was like, I want to see it. Sure. <laughs> Literally had no idea about the Easter egg, but I think I was kind of like in the mindset of like, well, what would Catwoman do? And I was like, well, Catwoman would just leave with the money. Yeah. So I just walk out and leave with the money, and it does the whole thing where it goes through the credits, and then it like rewinds and puts you back, and it's like, all right, well, you fucked up, so now go play the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, any uh, any other things? Any other points of uh, points you want to bring up on Mass Effect Two? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a solid entry, and I I I think I yeah I'm, I'm I mean I'm with you. I think it's the um the best of the series as like a standalone. I probably like given I played through one and two, I probably like three more um, just because it's like closure on all those characters. And it was, it was like the last time I got to spend with all those characters, especially the, uh, the Citadel D DLC like stands out there as like probably my favorite um, piece of DLC content ever because of like all the stuff you just get to do with, like it's just a love letter to people who put in hundreds of hours with all those games, um, uh, and I do I adore it. But I think two has fewer problems than three does as a whole. So I think from like a, a strictly game uh, like standalone experience, I think yeah, it's it's probably the better the the best of the choices. So good call on on making it your favorite game in figure quotes. I also I love the was the Citadel DLC in three when you could go and have the shooting contest with Garrus on like the Citadel. Uh, no, I think that's three? that's just it. That's just in the game. That's yeah. like his. Uh, it's like one of his his like last little scenes. Because yeah, I I fucking love that. It's like you yeah. go and uh, you have that shooting contest with him and you can let him win. 
mm-hmm. or you can just like beat him. And it's just like, and then that's the other thing with the ending of three, two that I remember is like before you go into the like final mission where you run down the thing with like all the people is that you can just sit there and like video call everyone. Yeah. And like, I literally just went through every option and had like, I spent like half an hour just having conversations with people and you're basically like saying goodbyes or like asking them how they're doing. And it's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, like for all the shit that that game gets, like it's still a, it, it, it's still a great ending to yeah. the series, um, uh, even in spite of its flaws. So, great. Um, Mass Effect 2, solid solid entry into the Trove Talk Hall of Fame of, of greatest video games ever. Um, so, topic three. Let's talk about something completely non-gaming related tell me about yourself and and you wanted to you landed on like just kind of the you messaged me and you're like and i'll just talk about comedy and i was like yeah. okay that's a vague comedy is a, is a vague uh vague term so let's talk comedy what uh where did you where do you see this conversation going well i thought mostly it would probably lean into like stand up probably okay but i didn't want i didn't want to just limit it to that cuz also like when like, was when you think about, like, when I tried to think about, like, all right, well, what other interests do I have besides gaming? And gaming does take up so much of my life. But I was, like, my other main interest throughout my life was comedy. And that's, like, TV, movies, and, like, it's most, mostly stand-up. Mm-hmm. And so I figure the conversation will probably be more in the stand-up realm, but I didn't want to, like, rule out any TV shows or movies or anything. All right. Sounds great. So yeah. let's talk comedy. Uh, stand up uh, wise, who are your who are some of your your favorites there? So one of my all time favorites is Aziz Ansari. Solid. And, uh, and uh, his first special, I think it's called Intimate Moments for a Sensual Evening, and that was his first like TV stand up special, and it's fucking amazing. And like mm-hmm. I've I watched I DVR'd it when it was on Comedy Central, and I watched it. Then I downloaded it to my old iPod because I used to, before I listened to podcasts, I would just listen to like hours of stand up a week. Yeah, I did have done similar things back back when it was iPods. Yeah. And not like just you can put everything on your phone. And I was just, I just remember like I would listen and I remember the listening to it on iPod for the first time because it's different than the like TV version because it's uncensored. It's also longer and has different even jokes that are completely cut out. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so, like, it's just so good. And, then, like, a, part of the reason I think it's so good is because it's hilarious. But I've listened to it and watched it collectively, like, ten times probably. And I still, I know it word for word, and I still laugh at parts of it. And nice. it still, like, makes me laugh to think about it. So that's why I always say, like, yeah, that is probably one of my all-time favorite specials. Um, real quick, since you grew up out here, um, do you remember, there was, like, a morning show. I don't remember which it was, but it was, like, a radio morning show. And like every week they would do like a character battle. Do you remember this at all? Is this, I is this ringing any bells? Damn. Cause that was like, that was another thing I would have on my, uh, on my iPod was um, I would like download all of their, um, their, like their battles. And it was like, I mean, like it would be, they would come up with a character and, um, and they, they would come up with two characters and whichever one, like, and it would be like five minutes of each one and just be random shit. Um, one of the ones that ended up being like the longest running character was uh, called Jerry the dog with inner monologue. And it would just be like this dog character 
um, just talking to himself, and like he would have catchphrases, like ev- like pretty much every episode would would end with him being like, "Oh hey, my nuts, and I can reach them with my mouth," and he would just like do that, and then there would, but like th- he would have a challenger every week, and it'd be just random, like random things, like um, like uh, I mean, one of the other like big champions was like Tony Montana. Walgreens pharmacist or something like that. And so it would be, it was taking like characters that you kind of knew and then like putting them in a weird setting or just coming up with that. And, but it was, I mean, it was like just this, it was like a hallmark thing of, of like one of the, the radio shows uh, in town. And, uh, and yeah, I would like, I would listen to those, like those segments for hours and hours and hours on my, on my old iPod, old gen one iPod. Because I'm an old piece of crap, so sorry. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I wonder if like that was a comedy thing of your past, but no, sadly, sounds. I know sounds when, like when, not. when it came to radio for me, it was basically like I never listened to the radio, so it was what my parents would listen to, mm-hmm. and their whole thing was just like basically like 95 percent of the time it was just John Jay and Rich, mm-hmm. which like I think only the two of us and like Cameron will understand because <laughs> yeah. we're from Arizona. But yeah, that was like, that's pretty much all I remember. And I remember them listening to other radio stations, but I honestly have no idea. Like, I don't remember who the people were on there, like what bits they did. Yeah. Actually, I think John Jay and Rich are are a bigger thing now, at least. Like, they're because they're based out of Tucson, but like they're part of like the, uh, one of the bigger networks. So I think they have like a syndicated show kind of around, around parts of the country, at least. Um, so they're not just a Phoenix thing, but they're like largely in Arizona. They're, they're based out of Arizona. But other people might know John Jay and Rich. I don't know. I like almost never listened to them. Um, this was like, yeah, I don't, I don't even remember who I listened to. But anyway, um, the, the topic isn't morning shows. It's it's comedy. So Aziz Ansari, yeah, I mean, some of his stuff's great on uh, on on like the Comedy Central stuff and now the Netflix stuff. I love. Um, I mean, I loved everything he did, like with. Uh, like Parks and Rec is one of my favorite shows um, and him being on it, it helps that easily. So what else, uh, who else you got? Uh, so another one of like, he's, I just wanted to kind of bring up his special. Uh, so a lot of people know him now, Louis CK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's obviously insanely popular and his first special that was $5. I forget what it's called. I think it's called like, it's called like stand up comedian or like it might be called hilarious or something, mm-hmm. but it's the first one he released for five dollars that you could buy. Right. It's also fucking amazing. Like that was the one where because what I used to do with stand up all the time too is I would watch all this stand up and then I would just kind of like repeat, not repeat the jokes, but I would like reenact the jokes for people, mostly my sister. And that was the one where I would literally watch like once he finished a bit, I would be laughing and then I would pause it and then I would go reenact it for her and then she would laugh and then I would go back and watch it. And then I would get to the part where I'm like, oh, my God, this is fucking hilarious. And then I'll go pause it and then, like, walk, go walk away. Like, it's just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. He has this uh, the one joke about it's not going to be funny anymore because I don't I can't do it word for word. But, like, he has the joke about um, he rented a car and he left it at the airport and he didn't bring it back to them. And then he called them while he was on the airplane. and was like uh, and when they were like, oh, but, yeah, you can't just leave, leave the rent a car and we can come get it. Like, you have to bring it to us. And he's like, well, he's like, I left it at the airport. I'm on the plane right now. The keys are in it. And he's just kind of like going over their like interaction he had, and it's just like it's so fucking funny. Yeah. Do you so so outside of the the um, the stand up sect? Like, do you watch uh, like Louis's show? Do you watch uh, Louis? 
I watched it. I watched it a few times. Like I've seen uh, like probably like half the episodes. I think. Mm-hmm. And and then some of them get like really weird and really dark. And then some of them are also like fucking hilarious. Like the one where his car gets like destroyed or whatever because he's in the no parking zone, but he can't understand what the sign says. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 That's. I mean. That's. His, I love his brand of humor because yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm a fan of his his stand-up stuff as well. And then like the fact that they just that like FX, I think it's FX, has just kind of given him like, okay, we're gonna give you so much a season and just standard budget, but you can do whatever you want. And he does like he like that. I don't think there's a show out there on uh, on TV that is like more one person singular vision than Louis is. And now we're getting more stuff like that. Like um, uh, with Master of None uh, by, by Aziz Ansari is the same kind of thing where like Netflix gave him money and he just kind of got to make the show that he wanted to make um, as long as it stayed under budget. And so he like brought in his, like his parents to like be on his show, <laughs> um, which is awesome. Uh, I mean, they're like horrible actors, but it's like, it's still endearing that it's like, it's him getting to have these conversations that he's kind of done in bits and stuff, but now you're getting to see them with the actual people. So yeah, I can, I can totally appreciate that. Have you ever done stand up before we yeah. kind of dive into more? I yeah? have, yeah. Because okay. uh, as, uh, as people might know, I haven't really done a ton during this, but I make a lot of jokes. Some of them might even be considered irrelevant. I mean, most of them are. That's fair. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I basically was like, I wanted to be a stand-up like comedian. Okay. And then I, I wanted to do that and be a writer. So on top of all the writing I used to do, where I just have like notebooks filled with like scripts and screenplays and stuff that I've written, I also have like a notebook just full of like stand-up bits that I wrote that I think most of were probably awful. But so in high school, it came to that time where like everybody was always telling me like, oh you need to do like stand up. You're really funny. So eventually I was like talent show. I was like, here we go. Stand up. And I was like, what could go wrong? So what went wrong? I mean, none the first time didn't, I didn't like bomb at all, but the first time I basically put a lot of work into it and I kept rewriting jokes and I kept testing them out on like a million different people. And so eventually I go out there and I remember, I don't remember exactly what my opener was, but it basically like did not land whatsoever and like no one thought it was funny and i was like fuck i have like five more minutes left so i basically <laughs> like i basically threw out all the stuff i pre-wrote and i just started like making fun. i basically did the kind of like the anthony jeselnik type thing where yeah. i just started i just started making fun of the people who went to school there and like i was just like killing and i'm like i'm just like i'm basically on thing right stage right now and i'm making fun of like teachers the principal and i'm like these kids that go to school, like this guy that plays football. And I'm like, and it's like all stuff that all these people relate to and like think of. And I'm like, yes, I did it. I'm like, at least I can think on my feet. Yeah. And then it's, the it's one of those things later, that like, you can't, it doesn't really translate to a different audience at all. Yeah, exactly. That's what, like, that's what made me worry too, is I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I could not do those jokes outside of that like auditorium. Yeah. And I'm like, and then the second time I did it, it went like a thousand times better, but I basically just did the, the same thing over again and i had like a couple pre-written jokes i worked in like my one opener at one point i used i forget which if it was the one that didn't land but i was basically like oh hey and i was like are you all are you guys all ready to see some like uh puppetry and people are like yeah and i'm like oh shit and i'm like i don't do puppets I'm, i didn't think that would be the response that that was gonna get and i was like oh. 
And then I would just like go, and then I would just move on, and then go into like other jokes. And then the the joke I think that did the best was that the uh, the thing going on at our school at the time was that a girl was getting like text messages from a dude that was like, and they were really creepy, and like some of them were really sexual, and like I don't remember them, but basically she like screen capped them and like printed them out, and so like everyone at the school had seen all these text messages from this dude, and she like wasn't responding; it was just like his side. Uh-huh. and it was just like and so at that she got up to like go to the bathroom or something and i was like oh what's wrong where are you going i was like you didn't get my text messages <laughs> fucking destroyed like <laughs> brought down the house nice yeah. know your audience that's i mean exactly. that's that's a key to comedy yeah i did i did stand up a little bit um in college we had a, a like a talent show too kind of thing like a once a month called it tiny tina's um and it was basically just like in the theater department we had like an open mic night. You could do um, comedy. You could do like some people did sketches, some people did music, um, and so yeah, I did like I did, I I did I ended up building. I, I specifically remember doing like two sets. I did one set that was talking about um, my history working at um, Sam's Club, and like talking about the different things I did at Sam's Club when I worked there because I worked there for like three years. It was like my my high school into college job and like doing bits about like I'm not the kind of person you expect when you think of like Sam's Club greeter but I had to work the door and cover the door and so like people would walk in and I would confuse them with my youngness and my spryness Um, uh, so that was like one of my segments and uh, and then the other was uh, I did a whole bit basically on a cross-country road trip I did with my dad where we went, um, we drove from here to to my grandmother's house in Michigan, and I basically did like a bit on like each state that we went through, and also just talked about the fact that my dad listens to two things on the radio: uh, dance music, and like house music, and Rush Limbaugh, <laughs> like talk radio and dance music, and that's a really weird combination um, for a for a, like a thirty hour drive across the country. <laughs> um, so yeah, like those are the two, like. I mean, both of them did fine. Like, I got, I got laughs, and and people had a good time. But it was definitely like, um, I, I did the same kind of thing as you, where like I put a lot of time into those bits, and I probably would not have like managed as well had they like bombed right out the gate. So I was just like, well, um, I hope these go over well, because I've like I've basically got this set memorized, and so we're just gonna do this, um, and hope it's good. <laughs> The joke I always wanted to work, but like I never actually told it on stage. But I basically wrote out a whole bit once about how, uh, like why is Slippy Toad a part of the Star Fox team? <laughs> and it was it basically was like his uh he was like oh and like how like oh like Fox wears like this cool leather jacket and what does Slippy Toad wear? He was like he wears the janitor's outfit. And I'm like and I was like the Slippy Toad's definitely like the janitor's son of that ship and then they're like yeah we'll like we'll do you this favor like he can be part of the, like he can come to the school that like fox trains at and i'm like and he's always like oh i need help and that was basically like it's a lot longer but it's basically just about that mm-hmm. and i was like i was always like i was i was like I, I know i think this is funny and i hope this works and i'm like but i don't have the audience to do this for and i'm like because my high school is not the audience to like do this flippy toad bit about yeah so it's the kind of thing that like like Mike Drucker can go out and pull off at a at a kind of funny live too kind of thing, but yeah, it's you definitely need kind of a very target crowd for for video game humor, <laughs> very niche video game humor. 
I would appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so outside of like stand up, did you do any other? Like you mentioned, you had, like you'd written scripts and stuff. Uh, is that just kind of like things you had in in like the back of your head that you wanted to work on at some point? Yeah, basically, like I used to be way more of a writer than I am now, and I used to write for like forever uh like pretty much every day like i would just because i just get like ideas like every day and i was just like i don't know i'm just gonna write this down work on this and then now it's like it's so weird to me now because like i used to be that way now i'm just like i don't and then sometimes i think of the ideas i just don't write them down mm. and uh but yeah like i just so it's just notebooks full of like like movies tv comic books jokes like whatever and it's just like i have like a whole box just full of notebooks just handwritten with all this like stuff in them that I'm just like, I don't know, I wish one day I could do something with some of this. Yeah, I, same, I was just telling some some friends about this, uh, I was telling some people in the uh, in the Facebook admin kind of funny group uh, group chat that we have um, that I uh, like, I, I gave somebody a setup and then they like, they hit the punchline that I was aiming for um, and, and everybody got a good, a, a good laugh out of the, the conversation and uh, I was like, yeah, I miss, I miss writing sketch comedy sometimes um, cause I did that for, for a year and a half at ASU, um, with their sketch county troupe. And that was a ton of fun. Just kind of doing like the SNL grind, like a weekly show, um, writing sketches, um, rehearsing them, doing like a weekly news weekend update kind of thing. Um, and putting it all together, like have a first read on Monday and by Friday we're doing, we're performing an hour long show. Um, it was a ton of fun very stressful but like very rewarding when like the audience is cracking up at at something you wrote being performed by very funny people um so there are definitely times where i'm like oh it'd be fun to do that and i i've done the same kind of stuff where like i i had like spec scripts for like a a, a tv show pilot kind of idea um which i got very annoyed because again, going like to to my background at Sam's Club and then Costco later, I was like, I want to do like an office style show around the people that push the carts, like do called Cart Crew, and it's basically like you've got like the main protagonist who's probably like a JD from Scrubs type of character, um, who just ha- like has like he's there, he's like it's it's a job, he's not this isn't like his future. Then you have like the guy who it is his life, like he's never gonna be something else. Then you have like the girl who, because it was a thing at one of the places I worked at, like they were like, no, girls can't push carts because it's a, it's too dangerous of a job. And so the girl character was like, she fought uh, like a, a lawsuit kind of thing to get the job to push carts. Um, uh, and then you had like the the old senile slash very wise door greeter that would like give the main character like advice every week and stuff. And so it was like, I had like a whole 22 season or 22 episode of like season arc, like written out for this show. And then I find out like a year ago or something that they've made a show called Superstore. It's like on Hulu or something. I'm like, that's my fucking show. You made my show. Fuck you. Fuck you, Superstore. I've never watched it though. So it's probably a completely different track. But like I saw an ad for it recently that was like, it's like the the successor to the office superstore, and I was like, "Fuck you, fuck you." I once had a I had a whole show out uh, written once that was um, uh, it was basically about dudes that live in a house, and you know that completely original concept. For of course, a show. yeah. 
And it was basically just about these like five roommates and it's just like all the weird shit that would happen. And there was specifically an episode, I think about like, they stopped, like they basically they get into argument about doing chores and it's not as sitcom as it sounds. Basically I would relate it closer to like the Silicon Valley type show than like the big bang theory. <laughs> um, so they like, they start, they get in an argument about doing chores. So they're like, all right, well, you're not going to take out the trash. I'm like, I'm not going to do the dishes and like getting into an argument. And they're having this whole thing. So like by the end of the episode, there's like trash bags, like stacked up to the ceiling. And like the one roommates, like the dishes, they're like the kitchen's like overflowing dishes. And the dude's like eating cereal, like with a spatula off of like a plate. <laughs> and it was basically just like, there was way more that happened in that episode. I just specifically remember that imagery. And I remember there was another episode where like, they're, they have a it was like basically the punchline kind of thing at the end of the season was that they you find out that the fifth the fifth or sixth roommate or whatever that's not ever seen that they live with and they're like man that guy goes to work so early like is we never see his car in the driveway or like and he gets home after all of us blah blah and it's like he moved out like a month ago or like six <laughs> months ago like he doesn't live there anymore and like the, these dudes that have been like have these bunk beds or whatever because they don't it's like basically like a three bedroom house but there's like six of them. And uh, there was these dudes that sleep in bunk beds together. And it's basically like they had the whole like king size or like master bedroom that's just empty because he moved out like months ago. Nice. I like it. <laughs> we, for, when, we, when we all become like weird, crazy content creators in a commune, we'll have like a whole network of TV shows or web shows or something that we'll, we'll all sit, sit around and write and, and shoot shit like this. Have, yeah. have a grand old time. All right, so uh, so we've touched on some some of those aspects of comedy. So, who else out there is like co- comedy idols for you? I don't know necessarily about like um, idols, but I can just I'm trying to think of who else comes to mind because there is tons of stand up. Oh, another one of my favorite jokes that made me like die laughing is you you know Eugene Merman? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, from well, knows probably most notably from the one voice from Bob's Burgers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he um so i started his watching stand-up like forever ago and i've been following him and he has a lot of really funny bits about like and they're all really kind of like kind of like uh similar to probably my humor of like just things that are completely irrelevant but like he'll just talk about them anyways and he'll like he has stand-up jokes where like he fucks with people he had a whole thing about some guy he made friends with a guy on myspace who was like oh if you ever need or like hey like um come listen to my band and like buy my cd and like oh blah 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 a place to stay and so he was like, he's like, yeah, so I sent him a message. And I was like, hey, if you ever need a place to stay in New York, me too. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just really funny. He has all these jokes about him, like, fucking with people. But his main joke that was, um, I forget what the special's called. But he has this really funny joke about Facebook ads and how anyone can put ads on Facebook and target oh, I, them, I whoever they want. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. They, I like, I, uh, I listen to like, I have serious radio. And so I would listen to like the, the comedy channel every now and then. And like, that was that, that bit was one that would like routinely pop up and, and yeah, that's, it's a very funny segment. Definitely. Yeah. It's just, it's so funny. Cause it's just about how like, um, he targeted this Facebook ad that was like a high school photo of him. And it said like, you touched me inappropriately. I'll give me $20 or I'll tell. And he targeted it like men who like Beverly Hills cop age 50 to like 65. (laughs) (laughs) And like, like, see, like I can't even finish it now because like I'm laughing and it's just like, and I remember the first time I saw it, I died laughing. 
and the same thing with like kind of like listening to the audio of it later on like because it's on like spotify or something i listened to it later and i died laughing again and i'm like this is so fucking funny mm-hmm. yeah i'm just like i love it do you uh have you ever heard of uh john mulaney yeah i have seen any of his stuff one of his that like i i die every time i think about it um and and i like i want to do it somewhere is he's got a box one huh yeah the jukebox one jukebox yeah one. doing uh doing what's new pussycat over and over and over again like playing yeah. that times um and then switching it up to it's not unusual the one time and and like and then it goes back to what's new pussycat yeah. and somebody loses their goddamn mind <laughs> like i i heard that i heard that, that that was the first thing i'd ever heard of his um again just like randomly on Sirius or something i was like like this is a priceless and and incredibly well-crafted story i need to know more about this guy and so i like sought him out and and uh, and found out more of stuff and then like i find out that he's the guy that like wrote all of stefan bits on mm-hmm. snl with with bill Hader, and i was like oh that's like he's and then and then unfortunately he got a show and it was just not a great show like he he was trying too hard to be like seinfeld in a time well past the peak of seinfeld era have so. you heard his uh his law and order joke oh yeah yeah. With uh, with Ice Tea, uh, yeah, it's basically about all the like stereotypes of like Law and Order characters and how like the guy who can't stop moving boxes even though he's being questioned about a murder, mm-hmm. and like the the bartender, the New York bartender that remembers every person that comes into the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, he's a uh, so yeah, like uh, so basically with the, one of the main ways I used to watch comedy was Comedy Central. Basically, mm-hmm. like how we talked about how Game Informer was the only way to get game news, and. Uh, so I've seen like I've probably seen like seventy to eighty percent of all the Comedy Central presents ever filmed. Yeah, I've and like I mean for a long time I was the same way. They're still doing them, so I'm kind of like out of the loop on that. And like and like a lot of the people I talk about are really famous now, but they weren't like five years ago when I used to listen mm-hmm. to them. So I'm really out of the loop. Like I don't even know what like underground like people are about to blow up, but like. I remember telling people about Hannibal Burris in like 2013 or even like mm-hmm. 2014. And then he like, now he is like who he is. And like, everyone loves him. And I'm like, yeah, see, I just do the thing with comedy where I'm like, good for you. Like I liked you and like, you made it. Yeah. So I'm like, you deserve it. But yeah, like Hannibal Burris is another really funny dude. But to go back to the comedy central presents is basically like some of those, like John Mulaney's is like fucking amazing. And that's where he does the, it's not unusual bit and the law and order bit. I also really loved uh, Bo Burnham's is really funny too. Yeah, Bo Burnham's great. And uh, Nick Thunes was also has one of my favorite Comedy Central presents. And uh, Eugene Merman has a good one, too. Like, basically anyone, like, we've talked about usually has one. And uh, but some of them, I think, are really, really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. who I also, I was a big T.J. Miller fan. Okay. And uh, basically, so basically, like, when I was, like, from between, like, 2008, 2009, whatever, till, like, 2013, 2014, when I was really listening to lots and lots of stand-up, the this like Chicago comedy scene was kind of like blowing up, and that's where like well Eugene Merman was in New York at a time, but that's where like Hannibal Burris, T.J. Miller, Kumail Nanjiani, uh, even kind of like the other guy from Silicon Valley, I don't remember, uh, and then like Kurt Broneler, and just kind of like a bunch of other people all came out of the same like comedy scene, mm-hmm. and those were all the people that I used to like watch, and now they're pretty like they're doing successfully, so I'm like oh good for you, I'm like I'm yeah. proud of you. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that was always fun. Yeah, when you'd see, like, somebody that you, like, you remember their 30-minute stand-up on, uh, on, on that, or, I mean, like, even, 
I mean, it is like going further back, but like in like pulp comics or whatever on, on Comedy Central, where it was like they would do like three or four five minute segments and they would like act it out um, uh, and like create a kind of a, a visual storytelling to the gag as well. Um, like I, I like, yeah, I loved, I loved those. And then I loved seeing that person like kind of become more and more prominent on the scene um, with a few exceptions, like, um, like Carlos Mencia. Like I remember really enjoying him, like when I first saw him and like, and then he got a show and everything. And then like, you find out that like, he's like notorious for like joke stealing and stuff. It's like, well, that like, that sucks. Cause now I feel bad for having liked him. Oh, well, yeah. I, like I didn't know better. I didn't know he was ripping off people's jokes and stuff. Um, I mean like Dane Cook was another one where it was like, like I remember like Dane Cook and Mitch Hedberg. I remember like having their CDs and like listening to their CDs like nonstop um, and like, being able to go through all their jokes kind of by, um, by memory. Uh, and then uh, Mitch Hedberg, I remember there was a very specific, like he did a show here in Phoenix where he was basically passed out the entire night. Like he, it was like him and Stephen Lynch, um, who's another one that I loved uh, his, and his like musical stuff. Um, but like Mitch Hedberg was so far gone that he basically passed out on stage during his set and like the audience was pissed and like demanded their money back. And then like a few months later he was gone. He like, mm. he, he OD'd. And so it was like, Oh, that like that, like it sucks that he got like so destroyed by his own demons. Um, uh, Cause like he had, he was, he was great at like the, anytime you're like, Oh yeah. I, like I do comedy. People are like, Oh, tell me a joke. And it's like, well, I mean, so like so much comedy is like telling a story that's funny. Um, and not like just one-liners, but he was great with one-liners. Um, and so it was like sad to see him go. Um, but I, like, I also am super glad I didn't end up seeing that, like that comedy show where he was just passed out on stage. Cause I would have been really disappointed. It was just, it was bad enough just hearing about it, like secondhand from friends in, in college. Um, and then like just randomly, um, there's like uh, a Justin Bieber concert here a few months back where it sounded like Bieber was doing the same thing. He was like very low energy and like basically like fell asleep on stage or something. And I was like, is it horrible to kind of hope that he did it the same way as Mitch Hedberg? Yeah, it's absolutely horrible, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. So yeah. Um, any others, any other like standout notable comedians well, so that, Mitch Hedberg was definitely another one I was going to give a shout out to. And like, he has like, kind of like what you're saying with the one liners is like, I can think of like five different Mitch Hedberg jokes that you can just tell. And kind of like what I'm telling you, like, Oh, Louis CK has like a story about this. And like, it's not as funny. Cause I'm telling you like, Oh, this is a story. It's about this. But, like Mitch Hedberg has like the joke where he's like, Oh, and he's like, I went to the store to get a candle holder. They were out. And he's like, so I bought a cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, it's just yeah. like, he's, he was like, he was fucking great. And he's like, he's one of the ones that's like most quoted just when I'm like out and about like, uh, at, like PAX, uh, PAX West. I heard people like whenever the, the, uh, escalators were down or whatever, like I would just hear people being like, not temporarily out of order, temporarily stairs. Yeah. And I'd be like, yep. Rest in peace, Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> and like, so- uh, like needing receipt for a donut. I like, I will order something and, uh, I'll be like, I can't imagine ever needing a time where I need to prove this transaction happened. So no, I'm good. 
And uh, so then he, um, another one, uh, oh yeah, another one I want to give a shout out to is Dimitri Martin. Because oh. for a long time, he was definitely a favorite. And I still think his one show that he did the first season of his Comedy Central show, I think is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, I love the ones like I love the ones that like Comedy Central gave a chance to do something with, um, and I like some like that like that was great. I loved I loved his show as well, um, and it was it was sad that like it didn't get more traction and he didn't get to do more with it. Um, but yeah, he's I mean he's it's it makes sense too because he's very he's very like niche ish hmm. um, appeals to a very certain kind of comedy that I think other people probably do a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but like, I, like, I mean, his, his versatility is what one of the things that like amuses me. Like, uh, I mean, just another random one. Like I remember Zach Galifianakis's like uh, comedy central presents stuff. And then like a few years later, he blows up in the hangover. And I was like, that was really cool. Cause I remember you singing about being fat Jesus. And that was yeah. fun. I, like I was there with that. I'm sure you've been doing comedy for like 20 years, but I was there before the hangover. So I'm at least with you there, buddy. Yeah. It's some different too than like Louis. like, I don't even know, but like, he's probably like, he's getting up close to 50 and he's mm-hmm. been doing stand up since he was 20. But it's like that thing where like he, Louis blows up and everyone's like, Oh, Oh, like overnight success. And you're like, Oh, he's been doing this for like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's overnight success. If you if you completely disregard, yeah, the twenty years of work that went into that overnight success. Yeah, and so um, I was trying to think of more people because like the problem, like I've watched so much stand up, and it's like it's just like so many names and like people, but like Donald Glover's stand up is also really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why like I was a huge fan of him just through like stand up, and then that's when he started becoming when he like became childish. Yeah, and kind of like what we were saying too, and like when I saw him. At a when he came to Arizona once, and like there was like twenty people there, yeah, and like can't, we, we, like we were at this concert together, I think, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And there was like what, like twenty, thirty people there, and then it was like just him, and then it was like us, and it was a good show. And then now I hear about like this concert he does at like the Cosmopolitan in Vegas, where it was on like the second to last floor, and people were like jumping up and down so much that they had to tell them to stop because they were going to cave the floor in. <laughs> And I'm yeah. just like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. And I'm like, I really want to see him at one of those shows because, like, my memory of it is still awesome. But it was like 30 people just kind of like listening to his music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was that. And, like, um, I had forgotten that we had that like weird because that was years before we met. Yeah. But yeah. Very cool. Um, anybody else? Or do you want to dive uh, into some, some trail topic? It's getting late there, so I don't want to yeah, exactly. keep you up too much later because you have, you have work tomorrow and it's already 2 a.m. in your time. And uh, um, yeah, there's there's tons of other people, but I mean, we can pretty much cut it there. Like, there's not too much we're going to like break ground on if I tell you, like, oh, like this per, or like, oh, Anthony Jesselneck's pretty funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. Did you ever, um, uh, Garfunkel and Oates? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know them. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy them. I, like, I enjoy the ones that do like clever things with the music. Um, as, like, as a former musician, I think that's like one of my little like. I always wanted to write like musical comedy kind of things, and I did. Like, one that's another one of my little stand-up bits. I spent like five minutes just setting up a guitar and an amp and stuff, and then I played like one note, and then like I tore it all down and was like, "Thank you." And it was like a very Andy Kaufman esque kind of like bit that I did. Um, yay college where people were drunk and laughed anyway 
See, see, the one I wanted to do that was like that is I wanted to bring a newspaper with me, like today's newspaper. And I wanted to be like, all right, like, I, like if I haven't prepared and I need to see the headlines to like try to make a joke out of. And I'm basically like reading the newspaper and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, no, and I like turn the page. And it's just that for like five minutes. Nice. And I'm just like, and I'm like, and I'm like, that's, I was like, that's like too out there and like insane to like, for people. <laughs> Dude, to think just, funny. Did you, did you see this? Did you see this, uh, this, this thing Trump said? Um, I mean, uh, he, he, uh, he said that, um, yeah, he said this thing. Eh, crazy right uh, exactly. and then uh yeah it's i mean it's it's that kind of anti-humor character that like like uh kyle mooney does it a lot on uh on snl uh now like one of his like regular weekend update characters is like have you heard about this have you have you heard about this thing and it's like he's just painfully unfunny and the awkwardness and the painfully unfunniness is like part is the joke and i'm like there are people that can pull that off and then there are other people where I'm like, nope, you're not, you're not one of those people. So just stop it. <laughs> um, well, cool. Great, great chatting uh, comedy with you. Uh, I, I appreciate that we have like very similar tastes in a lot of, uh, in a lot of our comedy, um, uh, comedy interests there. It's, it's like we get along or in our friends or something. <laughs> it was weird. Crazy. All right. Um, so, uh, Topic number four, Trove Topics. As, uh, as always, I kind of open this up to the community, and uh, we got a handful of, uh, of questions tonight, so we'll just kind of rapid fire through some of these so, uh, so, so we can let you get away and get to bed. Um, uh, feel free to be part of the show by tweeting at me or at, uh, at Trove Talk uh, with the hashtag Trove Topics, or don't because, like, nobody used the hashtag this week. <laughs> Everybody just responded to the last minute tweet I sent out for this, which is fine because I've got the whole list here anyway. But, but yeah, I mean, like, use the hashtag, guys. I created it for a reason. Um, don't don't worry about it. Uh, so up first, Brandon Gan at Games Gan, uh, friend of the show, asks: In the spirit of Halloween, what is the most frightened you've been in a game? Do you have an answer for this one? Because I can immediately think of like one of my examples. I don't play much in the way of horror games. But the uh, the go to story I always like to tell is uh, Gone Home, which is not at all a horror game, but it's like it's it's in the guise of a horror game where you're just kind of wandering through an abandoned house, and there is a very specific moment in it. And uh, uh, I've had a Twitter conversation with Steve Gaynor now about this, where uh, if you like pick up a certain thing, it triggers a light to pop and and go out and. Um, I was playing it here one night in uh, in like late, not knowing kind of what the game was actually about. So I was thinking it was like a horror game, but I'd been hearing such great things about this. So I was trying it out and that thing popped out and I was like, nope, I'm done. And I put the game away and didn't come back to it until it came to console like two years later. And uh, and so Steve Gaynor in like the director's commentary talks about being like, this is, this is like the one place where we really had some fun with it. And we're like, yeah, we're going to lean into the horror thing. So I tweeted at him and I was like, hey, that one thing you did, the, the light popping. Yeah, that kept me from your game for two years. So... Good job, <laughs> and and we had a little laugh about it on Twitter. So that's that's probably like, I mean, I like I'm just not a fan of like jump scares at all. So anytime they happen in a game, like I don't play horror games because of that. Like I like Resident Evil's never been my kind of thing until dawn. I didn't play. I was playing through the Wolfenstein games recently, and they have a couple like 
things pop out at you, like uh, an enemy pops out at you. I was like, nope. <laughs> so it's any anything that that happens um, gets me, and and Gone Home is is probably the the best funniest example of such a <laughs> such a moment. So how about you? Any uh, frightening elements from games of your past? Yeah, so like I don't really play horror games, and I'm also like I just don't get scared that often. And so like I can watch horror movies and play horror games and stuff, and it just doesn't really hit me in the same way. But I do have two stories of like the first time playing Bioshock. There's a part where you like go through a room, and when you come back, and then like the enemy like dropped off the ceiling and like landed in front of me. And then oh, I think yeah. it's one of the only times I played a game, and I literally like jumped. Cause it's just like that kind of that like jump scare, and I literally did jump, and I remember being like, I didn't remember being that scared, but I was like, oh fuck, yeah, and I was like, so that's definitely that. And then the story I've been telling lately is I did a PSVR demo for the Resident, for, and I got Resident Evil, mm-hmm. and this this was at the GameStop Expo, and uh, I they basically gave you whatever demo was like you would wait in line, and whatever demo like you was available, that's what you did. You didn't get to pick. Yeah. So I go talk. I was talking to the guy while he was prepping the VR headset, and he was like, "I was going to do the Resident Evil demo." And he goes, "Do you play horror games?" And I was like, "No." And he was like, "Well," and he was like, "Are you like afraid of them, or do you have like a heart problem?" And I was like, "No, they just don't scare me." And he was like, "Well, let's try it." And he's like, "You know, it's VR." And I was like, and then I is, and I asked him as he's like putting on the headset. I go, "Is this the one in the PS in the PlayStation Store right now?" And he goes, "Yeah." And I go, "Oh, I played this before." And he was like, "Oh," and he was like, "What ending did you get?" And I was like, "I didn't know. I don't know what the endings are called." So I was basically like, oh, I got this ending. And he was like, well, let's do it anyways. Because, like, you can, you, like, we'll get you a different, you might get a different ending. And so I went through the entire demo. I basically did all the same things I did before. Because, like, I wasn't going to, like, look around for, like, new things to do, I guess. Like, I just was like, I don't know. This is what you do in the demo. And it, like, didn't scare me whatsoever. And then it, I beat the demo. It fades to black. And I'm basically kind of, like, looking around like this. And the dude grabs the controller out of my hand. That was scarier than anything in the entire <laughs> demo. <laughs> <laughs> nice because nice, like yeah. i have the i have the headset on and i'm just like in blackness and then somebody just grabs it out of my hand and i was like and then like they ripped the headset off and i was like fuck that was terrifying <laughs> <laughs> well there you go um <laughs> excellent excellent examples all right um up next uh chelsea at chelsea from atx congrats on the new job chelsea um uh, and, and tell her i say hi frank since She's over in your neck of the woods now, or you're over in her neck of the woods now. Um, she asks, how do we meet? And then she also asks if we have short-term, long-term goals and any weird hobbies and collections. So um, so how we met, uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll dive into telling the story. No, I um, want you to do it because I, I don't, I, every time, like I've told this story before, but I don't know if I've ever heard like your perspective on it. Okay. So, uh, so we met, uh, I popped into a, a Sean Pitts Twitch stream. I think he was, probably destiny because that's pretty much all he was dreaming back then uh back in january and i was putting out the feelers out there to see if uh if he wanted to go out to uh to to pack south um because that was coming up in a few weeks and i was like well like i'm i'm you know i like if i want to do packs east later maybe i can do pack south first and kind of be uh like that can kind of be my my way into to the show and uh, and so I like I asked kind of nonchalantly like hey I, I'm thinking about doing this I don't know if I'm going to, and within half an hour like we had six people six or seven people that had all agreed and you were one of them and we're having this whole Twitch conversation about um, oh you also live in Arizona okay so uh, and and you hadn't 
ever flown before. So, uh, so I ended up booking our tickets to RTX or to PAX South. Um, and yeah, like we, like within a half hour of popping into the stream, we had like a group that was going to stay together. We had like, we had hotel tickets. We had, um, uh, event tickets for like some of the days if we had, if we could get them kind of thing. And, uh, and so, yeah, that was, we, that was how we like, digitally met like I, I, I like I knew about you I like I recognized you from like from Twitter and stuff beforehand but that was like our first like real interaction going on and then aside from that um, uh, I also picked up happened to pick up um, uh, fallout um, like the fallout Nuka-Cola stuff from from Target and uh, and we had like I had an extra I got an extra one um, or I got an extra like I got three bottles of it when uh when one of my local targets had it um you reached out because you saw it on twitter and we're like hey can i uh like where'd you get it uh, and and came by and they were gone by the time you had it and i was like like i don't need all three of these and so we met up at a portillo's and i gave you one of those and then like a couple weeks later was that because that was before we that was before we even went to to um pack south right now, 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 now I'm a little like, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. So I, I gave that to you before we went to Pack South, um, and then like, yeah, a week later we were, like, we at the airport uh, waiting, uh, waiting to hop on a plane to San Antonio. Yeah, and like was... we basically had the interaction about the fallout soda, and then, and then when you were like, oh, you can have one of mine, and then I was like, I didn't want to take it from you because I was like, oh, I don't want to take it from you, and then we decided to do Pack South. And then we met up for lunch, and then that's when you gave me the one bottle, and that was the first time we ever like met in person. Yep. Yep. And then and then you've abandoned me to <laughs> to Austin because you made the right call. Get it? Getting out of Phoenix. Good call there. Um, so yeah, I think I, I think that's the the gist of the story of how we met digitally through a through a Twitch stream where we made the impulsive decision to go to Pack South <laughs> and. Then we've been to like half of the other events this year. Uh, what else have we done? We did uh, Kind of Funny Live, hmm. uh, PAX West most recently, and then RTX. I think and were the and Let's Play Live, and oh, and Let's Play, yeah, Let's Play Live in uh, in LA. We did that one, um, and then yeah, you you did. So I did PAX East, which you didn't do, and you did uh, the GameStop Expo, which I did not do. Yep. And then I'm uh, next week. I'm going to. Uh, back to san francisco for uh for ign mm. for their house party so i'll be there uh next weekend or the the friday that this week is posted that this episode is posting uh friday saturday sunday and then uh and then we're gonna see each other at uh at psx again yep. this year and it's i officially been, uh, requested my time off already and i even talked to my boss about it i'm feeling good at least about friday saturday sunday monday excellent i'm Very trying cool. for tuesday but i don't have any promises on tuesday yeah that's, I mean, do it, do what you can. I mean, we'll yeah. like, I'll, we'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. And a couple other people will be there. So we'll, we'll have some fun. Hopefully the kind of funny guys show up um, <laughs> since we like hanging out with them at these things. But uh, if not, uh, we'll, we'll be in Anaheim and playing lots of PlayStation stuff. So, yep. um, so short-term, long-term goals. Um, I don't know if, uh, if you want to go ahead and dive into this one, since I feel like I just talked a lot. <laughs> So, I mean, for me, short term, I think it's definitely just like I've still been kicking or I'm still working on this idea for a podcast that I've had. I haven't really talked about it that publicly. There's just like a handful of friends that know about it. 
And uh, moving to Austin really put a lot of things on hold. So that's why I kind of put that. I was hoping to have that done by the end of the year, but so that's kind of put that on hold. But actually, I'm probably going to soon start working on that again because I had an idea for an intro this morning, which is like more than I, because like I have the idea, I have the name, I have like a the, like Twitter handle registered already. Like I have a couple things in place. I just needed to work on a couple other things, probably like a website. And I need, I want like animated intros. And I, but I was like, I can't have intros and logos and stuff if I don't have the idea for what they should be. Mm-hmm. So I had an idea this morning that I'm kind of interested in toying around with. So I'm hoping to do that. It's, I was hoping to have it done by the end of this year, like I said. So it's probably going to be like an early 2017 thing because even like moving here and then paying rent and then going to PSX, it's hard to also buy podcast equipment. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. And, and thanks to, uh, thanks to Joe for letting you lend. Uh, or lending you his stuff. Yep. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I mean, you're, like you're you're appearing on my uh, on my Google Hangout as something games. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> this is stuff. This is literally his computer, his webcam, his microphone. These are his headphones. This is his DX racer that he got from Alex's ease. Yep. Well, I guess I'll have to have him on the show soon, and then we'll get this whole same background again. <laughs> yep. Exactly. And so I. Uh, um, and then long term, I would like to get into more production stuff because, I mean, I guess when you just hang out with lots of creative people, it's hard not to be motivated and creative. Mm-hmm. But also, I think, too, just like I would I would like to end up at Rooster Teeth one day in terms of, like I just from the moment I got in interested in like so being a kind of funny fan, I was like, oh, I love kind of funny. But I was never like I want to work for kind of funny. Uh-huh. and but when i got into rooster teeth i was like this is such a fun and like cool environment and like people i want to be around and like basically the easy way i say is i want to make cool shit with cool people yeah and so i'm like and that's part of the reason i moved to austin because i'm like rooster teeth is here besides the fact that i have friends here already and i'm just like i want to it's a cool place and there's cool people and i want to just do it so i would like to get into more production stuff and hopefully get over there doing production stuff for them and also I have when talking when we talked about writing earlier, I started kind of writing again because I had an idea when Max Landis was on the Game Over Greggy show and he talked about him's writing and I've heard him talk on podcasts about writing before and it reminds me about how like I used to write and I used to just like pitch ideas to people and stuff. So I'm like, I kinda wanna do that again. So I had an idea for a Hotline Miami movie that I've been working on. And it's basically I have two versions. I have the like the hundred and fifty million dollar like Universal gave me money to make a movie version and i have the like 40 minute short film version that's extremely close to the game and it's basically like basically like silent protagonist very gory very like the same synth soundtrack as the game it basically follows the game and it's just like and and i'm really passionate about it and i would honestly like to make film that as a movie Mm -hmm. and then writing that has kind of like spun off into other video game movies that i've been going toying around with because i had an idea for a scene that i'm like oh it doesn't work for the hot miami movie and i'm like but what if it was in like a party hard movie? So I'm like, I basically have a rough idea for party hard movie. I have a rough idea for like a punch club movie. I have a rough thing for a Firewatch movie. And well, I basically making a Firewatch movie. I don't know if you that's saw actually that. that's why that's why I started working on it is because I had an idea for uh, I had a couple ideas for it. So I was like, huh? And I was like, what if I was like, how cool would it be if I started a production company and we made like indie video game movies? that are like 30 to 40 minute short films, if not even longer. And we just like, basically it would be a lot of like one for one of like what the game is just in like live action. And I have like ideas for like cool shots and stuff. 
So that's something I'm kind of fucking around with. And this is the first time I've ever, I think, talked about it publicly or even like told another person about it. Actually, I told I told Christian Pixel Brave about some of my uh, Hotline Miami movie ideas because I knew since he loves like, since he's super into production and I told him like, I have an idea for this shot. And he's like, oh, that's really cool imagery. And I'm like, so I'm like, you know, I guess I feel comfortable enough on the podcast talking about it. Maybe it also motivate me to actually move forward with it. There you go. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, uh, as for me, uh, short-term goals are um, like just continuing to kind of build up my my skill set in terms of um, like I, I want to turn this more into something that's not just like me cutting out the Google Hangout clips and putting it out there on on YouTube. I want to edit something together, um, have an intro, have an outro um like have chirons and stuff so i I, like i need to short term is teach myself editing better um and put that stuff together and then long term is is still like get out to san francisco and go work at a place like ign um GameSpot, something like that um like a whole bunch of people leaving GameSpot recently so like i like i am immediately checking like their their website like pretty much every other day to, to see if any openings are coming up. Um, in the meantime, just kind of continuing to, uh, to plug away things at work, which affords me the opportunity to go out and do a lot of this stuff, um, on my own dime. So, um, that's a ton of fun and, and I'm not going to walk away from that anytime until I've got like another thing solid lined up. Uh, any weird hobbies or collections? Um, I mean, it kind of depends. Like, gaming is not a weird hobby, but I do have, like, I have that fucking sealed copy of Vegas Stakes. Yep. <laughs> and, like, stuff like that and, like, freak style. And I didn't, I didn't bring this up to you, but I did buy Vegas Dreams. Okay. On eBay. The disappointed, though, because, like, the artwork's, like, faded. So you can still see the artwork, but, like, the color's gone. So I'm like, that's a, dis- that's a disappointment. It doesn't have this beautiful brown cover art that is mm-hmm. part of the game. So I'm like, uh, so I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird collection I got going on. Plus all the other shit. Like I have all the, I don't know. Like I have a lot of weird, I have a lot of weird things. Um, I mean, the, it's not, it's not necessarily weird, but I have every Lego dimensions thing that's been released so far, uh, with the exception of the Supergirl thing, which I'm still hopeful I'll like get at some point, um, uh, from, from somebody. Uh, so that's like, that's the collection that's like most on my mind. Outside of that, I've got like I'm looking around my 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 little studio and I've got shit ton of DVDs and video games from like all generations. Um, collected plays for a long time. Like I would like I would any time I would uh, like see uh, see like scripts in a in a bookstore or something like that. I'd I'd like grab them and uh, or I would order. Um, plays like from dramatists publishing or Samuel French, like the, the publishing houses, I would just order whatever, like the hot new plays were in a given season to, to kind of read and, and, uh, and have kind of in my, in my collection. So, um, yeah, those are, that's, those are my, uh, outside uh, of like weird hobbies. I don't, I don't know. I don't really have anything else outside of that. Another yeah. one for me is, uh, lanyards. Because since you mentioned earlier, we traveled to so many events. It became a thing at PAX South between me and Zyger where we just got all the free lanyards we could. So at one point, I'm sure there's photos of either of us wearing like 15 lanyards at once. 
And basically that's just transcended where like if someone's giving out a free lanyard, like I'm going to take it. And I was just putting them on like my one doorknob and then I've even bought some lanyards and it's literally like the doorknob of where I used to live is like, was too full. And like, so I'm sure it'll be like that way here too. And I'm just like, and that's that weird ass collection is only going to grow the more places I travel to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next we have uh, Cameron Abbott last week's guest at unsexiest comedy asking uh, you specifically, how is Austin and why did you leave me, Frank? I loved you and you threw it all away. Best wishes, heart you. So how is Austin? It's we, uh, been fantastic. We kind of so really dive into it, but yeah, you, you made the big old move out to Austin a few weeks ago, um, leaving, leaving Cam and I out of the, uh, the Arizona heats for the Austin heat. <laughs> Actually, hasn't been too hot here. It, it, like my first week here, it rained like six out of like the seven days. Nice. And uh, also, like I mean, I've it's been fantastic so far, and I've been having a good time. Like it's definitely like it's definitely a cool place. Like I haven't been like downtown yet or anything. Like I've spent like ninety percent of my time at work. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely like I don't know. Like I'm definitely enjoying it, and I'm happy. It even too like I can't. Because the NDAs, I can't really talk about it, but I went to I went to a couple live tapings of a new Rooster Teeth show, oh, cool. and I got to be in like the audience, and so that was another thing too for me about being in Austin is that like Rooster Teeth will be like, "Hey, we're recording something, we need people," and I'm like, "I'm there." Yeah, nice. And I'm just like, so, and so you know, it's been great. I've seen uh, I've seen like Snapchats of like you guys going to a warehouse or something like that. So I'm like, yeah, oh, that was very cool that you're getting to do that. Um, because I know how much that, like, yeah, how much you enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, very cool. Um, Zyger asks to ask if you are hungry. Uh, oh, we've yeah. Been, we've been talking for like three and a half hours, so I imagine you probably got to be. <laughs> On the real side, yes, because I also didn't eat at work today, so I've been hungry for like 10 hours. Well, now I feel like an extra dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not. You're not a dick. And also... To answer Zyger's question specifically, though, it's yes, it's a we hungry. You hungry, okay. That's a a real funny inside joke that only me and Zyger and a couple other people will understand. I feel like I was around for it, but it was one of those It was at the GameStop Expo. Okay. All right. Then I I can fill you in for it. That's, I can fill you in later if you want. That's that's all right. Leave me out of this one. That's you guys are fine having that inside joke on your own. Uh, he also asks if there is anything. Oh, I also didn't give out his formal Twitter handle at Zyger one three three seven. Jonathan Zyger Landeros. Uh, ask if uh, anything you missed from AZ. Anything uh, you're missing from Arizona yet? I mean, you pretty much a, a little bit. But, I mean, pretty much the main thing I miss is just kind of like you and Cameron, really. Like, I miss not being able to hang out like we would do. or we can't go on our mandates anymore. Yeah. And it's also funny how you noticed my first answer wasn't, oh, my family. <laughs> it's, it's all right. I, I know that there's there's complicated stuff-ish there. I mean, they're all, they're all good. I, honestly, like, distance makes the heart grow fonder. Like, I've talked to them more than I've talked to them in literally, like, all year. Just That's in, like, good. three weeks since I've been here. Because, like they'll call or I'll call and just see how they're doing. And like, there was like my dad's a mechanic. So there was like auto tech stuff going on at our work. So I called them and I was like telling them all this crazy shit that they were doing. And I was just like, you know, fun stuff like that. Nice. Uh, Zyger also asks, uh, why circle pizza comes in a square box? Do you have an answer for this, Frank? And so it fits in the trash can. So it fits in the trash can. Mm. Okay, sure. I'll go with that. I mean, I, I imagine square boxes are just, 
cheaper to manufacture than circle boxes because um, you'd have to carve out the circle instead of but is if it's a if it's a circle is it actually a box though or is that exclusive to squares i mean i guess i guess it would be a cylinder if it is a circle box like you've got the circle and then the the height for the pizza because um, it's not really a square it's not really a square it's more of a a, a box <laughs> um anyway Fuck you, Zyger, for asking weird shit. <laughs> um, but he also asks what movie we're watching at PSX. All right, so I already got, I got answers for this already. Yeah, uh, of course you do. Yeah. So I, I was very tempted to just to, like skip over this tweet, but I figured I'd at least give you the opportunity <laughs> to, to to warn me about how you're gonna piss me off at PSX. <laughs> for for those that don't know, uh, like every show we go to together. Um, uh, Frank and I have been basically room, rooming at, um, and so at PAX West, at RTX, and at Kind of Funny Live. Um, actually, I guess we didn't really watch anything at RTX, uh, but at Kind of Funny Live and at, at PAX West, we basically watched bad movies every night, starting with Unfriended, and most recently culminating with Alvin's The Road oh, Chip, which, which Zyger asks you to recap, and we're not doing that. Because fuck you, Zyger. <laughs> but go ahead. What do you have lined up for PSX? Or what are you interested in watching at PSX? So basically, the two ideas I already got primed. One of them is called Fun Sized Horror. And it's a horror movie, as most of the bad movies we watch are. But what it is, <laughs> it's, it's a collection of online horror shorts. So it's actually 21 different five minute horror movies in an hour and a half. And some of the horror movies have like parts missing because they cut it down to like fit into the movie. And uh, that's basically uh, so that one's a really good one. Some of them real bad, some of them real funny. And my, one of my favorite ones is called "The Crazy Fucking Kid from Apartment B." Okay, because they're all individually named, except for not all of them. Some of them just start and don't no. tell you. And right. uh, the other one I got to is it's called "Chill: The Killing Game." Okay. It's basically basically the way I could pitch that one is it's like Clue. <laughs> it's like how about we just watch Clue then? Clue, an actual good movie. <laughs> just watch Clue. I, that, you watch- I'd, be, I'd be fine with that. Like the the like after Roadship, like you like I finally was like no no more shitty movies and you found Blues Brothers. I was like this. Let's just do this. Why can't we just do this, guys? And then we all felt. So- <laughs> to be fair, though, when we when Zyger said what movie should we watch, and we said I don't know, Trevor, what do you think? And you said I don't care, or like I don't know. And then that's when we turned on the road ship. Like you had to say, it's I I want you I want you guys to pick a good movie. I don't want to have to say let's watch this because that's just as bad as you guys saying let's watch this. <laughs> uh, whatever. Fuck you, Zyger. Fuck you and your shit and your damn questions. All right. Uh, we got a, a trio of questions from Pixel Brave, uh, Christian, at Pixel Brave on Twitter. Asks, uh, first question, if you could take a selfie with anyone from history, past or present, who would it be? Do you have anybody for this? Zyger. Z- Zyger, that's who you want to take your selfie with? Well, you'll be in luck in, a few, in, a few, uh, in, a, in like two months. And he'll be 21 finally. So, well, you won't. So, 
he'll be able to he'll be drunk you you can get you can get a selfie with drunk zyger there you go um mine uh cliche but i went with obama um i think it'd be really cool to have a selfie with the first uh african-american president uh with my some my often passion for politics um which i don't like i mean it's definitely on twitter more than it's anywhere else that i'm really talking about it because i feel like i can just at least like tweet stuff out there um but yeah um it'd be a a nice uh kind of monumental selfie to have um sorry my joke answer is also alvin from the road ship <laughs> all right don't make me don't make me end this early um uh christian also asks what subsection of fantasy do you prefer swords and shields or space and lasers um i tend to probably lean towards space and lasers like if uh like like um, Bethesda is what I always go to, and I prefer Fallout over Elder Scrolls, for example. Um, Elder Scrolls is good, and I enjoy it, but I, I lean towards um, Space and Lasers, or like with Bioware, like I lean towards Mass Effect over Dragon Age, tying it back to uh, to the favorite game segment. How about you? Absolutely, Space and Lasers. Like actual fantasy of like swords and shields never really did it for me. And so that's why, but like, I, that's why, like, I love Mass Effect, but I don't really, I never played Dragon Age. And like, the Elder Scrolls doesn't do it for me, but I love Fallout. And that's also the thing I'm excited. That's why I'm excited for Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Cause to me, that's gonna be that jump of like, oh, here's The Witcher, but oh, here's the sci fi version with the gameplay of The Witcher. Yeah. And I'm just gonna be like, nice. Very cool. And then, uh, last question from Christian Was there ever a weird gaming, it's not what you think it is moment that you had to try and explain? Do you have anything? Uh, not like I don't have a specific story, but I know there's definitely been because you know how like whenever you're watching a movie and when your parents walk in, that's when people are fucking. Yeah, it's kind of like that for games, and like there's definitely like I remember being nervous anytime I was playing Far Cry Four or Far Cry Three because I knew that there was that like sex scene with like nudity in it, and I was always I was always like I can't play Far Cry Three while other people are home in case the sex scene just starts, but mm-hmm. that's like that's like thirty hours into the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, my, uh, the, uh, the one I think of, um, pretty much immediately, uh, there's two, um, the first one, uh, both of them like old PC stories, um, where, uh, so a friend of mine, my best friend growing up and I, uh, would play Duke Nukem 3D a lot. And uh, in Duke Nukem 3D, you can like flash cash and a stripper will like, um, like pull open her top and she's got like tassels on. And uh, that alone was one of those uh, was one of those cases where like my dad would walk in and be like what like what's going on and like we'd immediately then go like just shoot her or something like that. Um, but even more on top of that, my friend and I like took a screenshot of like one of those images and like went into like MS Paint and like made nipples instead of tassels um, just like because that was what we were doing in our like prepubescent like horny stage this is like well before i'm like doing anything porn wise or anything but he was more into it so like we did it and and i like so i remember that so we had like a duke nukem 3d screenshot somewhere saved on my parents computer that was basically like ms paint edited to have like nipples um instead of booby tassels um and then Kind of in that same vein, like when I am like a couple years later and playing something like The Sims, um, I definitely downloaded like nude patches 
to like remove the censorship or whatever. And my dad like found the new patch files on the on the server. I was like, "What's this?" And I, was, and I like I BS and was like, um, "Oh, it's not what you think it is. It it must be like I downloaded this other thing and that came down with it accidentally." So oops. And I was like, "No, I I downloaded because I was a dumb, stupid, like horny kid um, that that needed to see pixel boobs or whatever." So uh, so yeah, it was like those are the two stories that I remember where I'm like. Yep, that was my dumb, my dumb youth, where it was like, it's not what you think it is, even though it's actually exactly what you think it is. So sorry. Well, I just love that like you can't like it's like oh it's America, so when you're like oh like I showed her the cash and she like opened her top or whatever, and my dad walked in, and he's like oh what are you doing? And then I'm like, and I shot her, and I'm like, and he's like oh okay, that's okay, that's not what I thought it was, that's okay. Yeah, no, perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Like that—that's a violent game. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. But boobs. Nope. Welcome yeah. to America. Um, uh, all right. And then uh, last question I got uh, came in uh, as we started recording. Um, but uh, my friends over at Toys for Games, uh, shout out to at Toys for Games and uh, and all the great coverage they do on uh, like Lego Dimensions and stuff. That's what I uh, what I check them out for. Um, uh, best video game sequels. I mean, Mass we touched two. Mass Effect Two is kind of the that's definitely a solid go-to, especially now having ha- having played Mass Effect One, like it and everything it does to uh, to do better than uh, than Mass Effect Two. I mean, like another like Persona Four Golden is mm. uh, a, a solid solid sequel as well. I mean, especially even if you consider it just as a sequel to the the original Persona Four, um, I think it's uh, a, a standout. Uh, option. I'm trying to think if anything like, yeah. I mean, those are those are probably the a couple of solid entries. I don't know mm-hmm. if I have anything else worth uh, highlight. I mean, like Uncharted. It was another one that like did uh, Uncharted two leaps and bounds above Uncharted one. Assassin's Creed two, even though I hate it, way better than Assassin's Creed one. Um, anything else you can think of? Uh, not really off the top of my head. That's pretty much the ones that I thought of. Yeah. Cool. Um, so that's, uh, that's the episode. Thanks for, uh, thanks for bearing with me, uh, as like, yep. There's another one that's about three hours, 45 minutes. This just kind of seems to be where we're landing on. Uh, I, I came to the, I've, I've been coming to the realization where it's like really the gaming history episode or like that topic. I could like that could be a podcast in and of itself, and that's two hours right there. Usually, just talking to somebody about that. So, it's, this is basically two podcasts in one that you're getting here. You're getting that gaming history podcast, and then all this other shit that we talk about podcast. So, enjoy. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, if you if you have stuck around, thank you for for being my guest, Frank. Um, uh, especially on short notice, since I only asked you like yesterday. Um, uh, any uh, anything you want to plug? Any uh, any pitches or any any plugs you want to make? Well, I mean, I don't know if you want to ask me to start pitching things because I can start pitching you like balls commercials. Okay. Well, aside from aside from balls, pitching things that you're actively working on. <laughs> so yeah, like uh, my my Twitter is like I, I'm I'm a relevant jokes on literally everything. That's my username for everything. But the best place you could probably find me on is Twitter. Or if you want to like hit me up and interact with me, also I do. 
a podcast. I do two podcasts usually that I appear on. One of them is on the table, and the other one's the Fuckery Cast. And those are found at twitch.tv slash something games. And also on podcast services like iTunes and SoundCloud. And that's something games with a Z, right? Yeah. Something it's like something Gomez, but with an A instead of the O. So it's games. <laughs> nice. What are uh, just for uh, for those that aren't aware? What are what's uh, what are uh, off the off the table and on the table? Uh, and on the table sorry, mm-hmm. uh, on the table and the fuckery cast. What are what like? What's the elevator pitch on each of those? So usually on the table is mainly about video games and kind of what's going on that week, and also sometimes it kind of goes off the rails and into movies and other stuff. As you know, it happens. Mm-hmm. And also, then the fuckery cast is usually, as the name would probably imply, it involves a lot of heavy drinking and talking about random topics, is most of them involving something in terms of usually sexually related, if not always, you know, and then also just kind of other things in that same kind of like mature adults only vein. And that's basically what that one's about. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you again for, for being my guest this week. Um, uh, these will, uh, just for your edification, they'll start going out topic by topic Monday, uh, Monday through Thursday with a full episode posting, uh, a, a week from today or a week from like three hours ago for you, I guess, uh, on Friday. Um, thank you everybody for tuning in. If you tuned in, if you're still with us, um, and, uh, and like, share, subscribe, all that fun jazz, which I keep forgetting to like actually say to do, um, uh, comment. Let me know your favorite games and who you want to see on the show. If you want to be on the show, let me know. Um, hit me up. I'm at Snarky Starkey on Twitter, or follow the show at Trove Talk on Twitter. Uh, you can find more of my ramblings. And like I said, I'm hoping to have kind of a week's worth of reviews posting uh, the week that this episode is going up with uh, reviews for games like Wolfenstein and Gears of War remastered. So it's not it's not going to be like Mafia Three or anything like that. Um, I've just been working through some uh, some backlog of games, but figure I can write up some reviews on them. So um, uh, check those out at trevortrove.com. And uh, until next time, insert closing tag here. <laughs>